Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Wednesday morning, a game day for the Utah Jazz. Back at it tonight in Minnesota. we got a little uh, jazz talk for you coming up this morning. In a few minutes, you're going to hear from Tim Lacombe talking a little jazz, and also because he's a Newton Cougar, talking a little Utes and Cougars as well. Yes, he worked for both schools. We're going to start with the Cougars. Headed bowling, Blake Freeland talking about the matchup with UAB in the Independence Bowl. Here's Blake. Blake, talk about what you feel like the team has accomplished this year. And do you feel like, you know, getting this last opportunity in the bowl game is one you guys just embrace regardless of location or opponent or anything like that? Um, as a team, I think we've accomplished a lot. I think we've, um, every game we've come out and try to play our very best. And I think this this week is our this bowl game is another opportunity to go out there and kind of show our best and uh, prepare like we have been and just put it out all, all, all out on the field. Come on, Alex. Yeah, Blake, um, what was your reaction when you um, saw that it was going to be UAB, that you guys were playing in the Independence Bowl? Um, I think there was some talk that it was going to be UTSA and, you know, maybe an outside chance of, of New Year's, of New Year's six and all that. Um, but you know, how, what was your reaction when you saw that it was that opponent? Um, honestly, I had some high hopes for a New Year's six bowl. I knew it would be a stretch, but I was really hoping to get in. Um, but I know UAB is a solid, good team. And I know there'll be a great opponent for us to play. And I'm pretty excited about it. It's just, again, it's another opportunity to play with the boys and uh, show what we've got. But Overall, I'm just excited for the game and should be a fun one. Up next, we'll take a question from Jay Drew. Hey, Blake, uh, just wondered what, what you guys did as players last week. Did you get together as a team at all? And then also, what effect will having finals the week of the bowl game have on you guys? Um, last week, we kind of had a more chill week. Um, but, yeah, we got together. We a lot of us hung out. We worked out together. Just uh, nothing too crazy. Um, and then for finals, I mean, a lot of us will get our finals done early. I think, or I mean, we always have a lot of time on the bowl, the bowl trips to do our homework and knock it all out. So it's not really too big of a deal. Um, but you know, BYU school's tough, and it's just whether or not you knock it out before or during the trip. We'll take questions from Sean Walker, then Mitch, and then Jared. Hey, Blake, congrats on the bowl game and everything. But uh, uh, Kalani just told us there's a chance that, that James and maybe even Harris could be back. I know it's been a minute since you guys have had him. What, have the, what do those guys, those two guys bring to the offensive line? How big could it be to potentially maybe get them back for the bowl game? I mean, that'd be great. I didn't, I didn't really know where their status stood, but um, shoot, if we could have those two guys back, that'd be so fantastic. It makes um, all of our lives a little bit, a little bit easier. And our dudes that have stepped up have done a really great job, but you know, those, those guys are seasoned, seasoned veterans and it's always great to have dudes back like that. Blake, a lot is made about uh, the value of bowl practices and what it can do in the development of players. Uh, you've now become a veteran of the program your third year what in the previous seasons what did bowl preparation or practices do to uh to help you grow as a player into now your role today um i think it helps a lot honestly i think um bowl prep kind of 
is like spring ball. Honestly, we do a lot of um, skill work and just kind of working on yourself just because you have so, so much time to work on your opponent. You're also able to kind of better yourself. And I think it's a great uh, time to take advantage of that and just work on your game as an individual um, as well as a team. So, yeah, I think it, I think it takes a great place in just developing yourself and your skill set. Like you touched on this, but I'm, I'm curious about the pride this team has taken in the fact that that next man up mentality that you guys talk about so much, but you've been able, even with lots of guys being hurt or limited to have guys step in and continue winning and playing at a high level. How proud are you just of of the team in general and, and across the board in the way the team's been able to do that? Honestly, I'm super, super impressed, super proud of all the, the dudes that have stepped up. I know the coaches, Coach Funk has emphasized it, like kind of just he knows dudes are going down. He's like, we got to have dudes step up, and there, there they are, just steps right up and fills a role and um, just plays it perfectly. Um, I know offense and defense have struggled a little bit with injuries, and I think they're doing it on both sides of the ball really well. We have a question now from Alex. Like Tyler um, was in here just saying that, um, you know, when you guys are, are on the road, you guys will pretty much try any type of food that's put in front of you. Um, and, you know, Kalani was saying that he's excited to, to get some good Southern, Southern food in Louisiana. I'm curious, uh, it might be a weird question, but like in your recollection, what is the strangest thing food wise that you've tried? Interesting. Um, to be honest, um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. We eat a lot of just hotel food just in inside the hotel. Um, I think bowl games is really where we get to kind of outstretch and um, kind of go to restaurants and buy our own food and stuff. But uh, I've, I've heard some crazy stuff people tried in Hawaii, but um, I'm excited to kind of see what's down there. There's BYU's Blake Freeland. When we come back, we'll talk Utes headed to a bowl game, headed to the Rose Bowl to face Ohio State. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider, coming up next. It's time to bring in Frank Dolce, our Utah Insider. He's on the Smart Rain guest line, Smart Rain state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PJ. Oh, Frankie. Rose Bowl, Frankie. Yeah, how about that? Going to the Rose Bowl, everybody. Don't you want to go, go? Is that an original? Ah, it's kind of a takeoff. A little bit of yeah. like a little Weird Al Yankovic. I changed the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> From going what to happened a, to that guy? Going to go, what go, happened go? to Weird Al Yankovic? He's probably on a beach somewhere with all that money he made. Yep. <laughs> How could you? I mean, when you when he was growing up, did you think I'm gonna I'm gonna write these ridiculous songs, you know, based on real songs, and I'm gonna make a billion dollars in a bathroom at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, or as PK likes to call it, Cal Poly SOL. <laughs> <laughs> is San is San Luis Obispo? There, what is their mascot? They're not the banana slugs, are they? No, that's you see Santa Cruz. They're the Mustangs. Oh, that's Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah Mustangs. <laughs> the what? The Mustangs. Oh, the Mustangs. That's not very unique. I mean, go Mustangs, I guess. But 
Yeah. Well, who who would have thought? PK, uh, I just wanted to mention that Colonel Sanders didn't get started until, do you know this? Do you know the answer to this? Um, he didn't get started until he was what age? 61. 65. Ah, I knew wow. he was in his 60s. There's a, so, there, there's a plaque on the KFC at 39th and State Street because that was yeah, his first store. The original. Yeah. With, with the Harmons. But, PK, that gives you a few years to get yeah, your oh, music career going. Uh, yeah, you know? I mean, I've had a few hits here and there. Yeah. You know, but, but going to the Rose Bowl, everybody, it. don't you want to go go? <laughs> an instant classic, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> We're going to the Rose Bowl, Frank. Dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that the truth? I mean, I I grew up a Pac-10 fan. Me too. Uh, DJ kind too. of in between. <laughs> yeah, in between living in between UCLA and USC. And uh, so the Rose Bowl was always the that that was the pinnacle of bowl season, and things have changed quite a bit. But I still consider the the Rose Bowl the granddaddy of them all. Well, when you think about it, it's the best bowl that you can earn your way into. Doesn't require a committee. I I don't know about this committee. In fact, I I am down on the. I'm down on the committee and the way they put the top four teams. I thought that was just, I mean, it was just like, hey, you know, SEC, let's have another all SEC championship game. Let's just devise that. I thought they could have split it up much better to give Cincinnati and Michigan a fair shot at getting into that game. And I I think they don't, it's not like they don't have a fair shot, but it feels like it's heavily weighted toward the SEC. Well, that's because they got two of the four teams in. And let's be honest, they did not want a rematch of the SEC title game in the semifinal. That's what they were trying to avoid. I did. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I wanted. Yeah. I think most, they were afraid most viewers didn't. And as PK has pointed out, it is a TV show. And I think that was the number one thing. They either had to move Alabama to number one or they had to do- drop ah. Georgia to number four because they did not want to put them 2 3, which would have made a certain amount of logic, but they didn't want to do it because they didn't want that semifinal again. What is more cringy, the the CFP committee or today's politician? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Why are you limited to today's politicians? <laughs> politicians. You want tomorrow? I'll take today's. <laughs> no. I was thinking yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I know stories about oh, LBJ man. going to the bathroom right. off the Oval Office with the door open while he's talking to AIDS. Like, dude, come on. Close the door. Well, hey, that's nothing that Rick Majerus didn't do as well. So I mean, let's <laughs> let's be honest here. Those that, that occurred. Wait, you're saying right Majerus went to the bathroom in a bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know. He was in that pool very regularly. <laughs> you never know. Question of the day, Frank. Where does the Rose Bowl yes, rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think may, maybe the easy answer to say a number it's number one, but I, I don't know that it's number one. It's certainly the top three, but I think you could make arguments for for those for those three bowl appearances. You know the and I heard I think it was I think it was uh, PK saying yesterday. Everybody thinks everybody thinks 
Boise State was the original BCS buster, which yeah. is not true. Right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, that one, you have to put that up there because that was an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the Sugar Bowl and beating, uh, beating Nick Saban's Alabama and handily beating Nick Saban's Alabama in, in New Orleans. I mean, that has to be up there. You're and then, of course, the Rose Bowl. You're I mean, such a do, football fan, Frank. What about the NCAA basketball tournament going to the 1998 NCAA final? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were just talking football. No, nope. on the athletic department's list of accomplishments. You can go anywhere you want in the Utah athletic department to find an accomplishment. The ski team. Ski team, ski team wins national championships like, you know, they go into Mrs. Fields and buy cookies. I mean, that's, that's the, the ski <laughs> team just goes out. funny you should mention that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for and, the end. We'll come back to the end. And, but well, go ahead uh, okay. with your thought. And, and, and listen, uh, I, I mean, the gymnastics team has a, has a very long uh, history of winning national championships, not so much recently, but you know, in the history of the of the program, that the uh, the heydays of of Rick Majerus and the basketball program and some of those great teams all all certainly rank um, up there. I I don't know. I in in relation to all of those, wow. I I put the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl has to be a top five accomplishment if you're considering all of Utah athletics, um, it, you know, the, the success that they've had. I'll tell you why it's number one. I'll tell you why it's okay. number one for me. As you look at the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, those were in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And when Majerus went to the NCAA final, he immediately said, because people were expecting him to get back and all that stuff, and he had built a power at that point, but he immediately said, we're no closer to Southern California. We're still out in the middle of nowhere with a foot of snow. And he was right. So mm-hmm. you were going to have circumstances. You know, you're going to need a prop kid in Andre Miller. You're going to need an under-recruited kid in Doliak, who ends up, both of those kids end up playing in the NBA. And you were going to need BYU to suck, so all the local LDS kids didn't want to go there. They wanted to plan a winning program, so you're going to get Alex Jensen and the Johnsons and so forth, right? So all those things had to transpire, and it's like with Kristobiak, you needed a foreign kid in Pirtle, and then you needed a JC kid in DeLon Wright, and that's how you built your NCAA appearances. But that's not the way to build year-in and year-out success. And here, the Fiesta Bowl and and the Sugar Bowl were awesome, but they were done largely with Mountain West kids, underdeveloped, under-recruited, and then they became developed when they got to the U. Eric Weddle being an example, all that stuff. Now, all that, all those circumstances, they're gone. This is the Pac-12 that you're in now. And Lincoln Riley going there brings the Pac-12 publicity. Not notoriety, because notoriety is built off of notorious, which is a negative. People misuse that word all the time. And, and Klavkov down there was talking about it. it. This helps the conference, and it certainly does. It was the buzz when it came out, what, last Sunday, whenever it was, mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. he's going to the Pac-12. So you don't need to get flukes. You could send out your team of recruiters, which they're doing as we speak this week, and now you could go into any place 
anywhere, and they know who the U of U is, and they know that's a program that has done nothing but winning here recently and puts a large amount of guys into the NFL, and you can get a degree if you're so inclined to get a degree, and hopefully they are if they stay long enough. So that's why, to me, the Rose Bowl is the number one accomplishment in athletic history because it has far greater staying power and the impact goes well beyond January 1, 2022. They now can bring in a host of studs and they can get studs now and we're not going to look at it and say, wow. Plus they also all have the ability to look at Joe blow and see, okay, he was a uh, a running back in high school, and we're going to make him an NFL linebacker, whatever it might be. We know the stories, mm-hmm. how they've done that. So that's why I put the Rose Bowl number one, because there's no yeah buts, and there's no, well, that was an exception. Nope. This has big-time staying power, and they can cash in on it and cash in in a way that they couldn't cash in on all those other great accomplishments. I think you make a terrific argument uh, for for the Rose Bowl. Which is what I do. The, <laughs> it's what you do, and sing about it. It 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 is a it, it is an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and I, I I don't want to diminish all the other teams in terms of staying power uh, for Utah. I I've said recently that. I think Utah's kind of primed to be a dominant figure in in the Pac-12, and and uh, you know even with even with Lincoln Riley, I you know everything indicates that he'll turn that program around, but we'll see. You you never know, but but even with Lincoln Riley there and what should be a reemergence of USC, which I think the conference needs. I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like uh, as a conference overall, until that hiring of Lincoln Riley, I guess, that the conference was really that interested in winning football championships and, and you have all the other issues that the conference is dealing with and trying to manage and focused on. And and I felt like, well, Utah has everything solidified. You know, a coach who understands the game, uh, has has like you said been successful at a, a very high level for a very long time, with maybe not all of the resources that other programs have available, and and now a president in Taylor Randall who understands the role that athletics and football plays in, within the university, uh, and I think someone who is willing to 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 give resources to the athletics programs and the football programs. So, I, I feels like within this conference and with with Coach Whittingham at the head uh, and with the administration in place, that Utah is is in a really in a really good place, and this certainly helps solidify that the, the football program. Uh, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm curious to see if uh, if USC gets rolling, if UCLA kind of gets it figured out. I, Colorado seems like. A disaster. I don't know what's happening with the Arizona schools. They seem a few years off. The, the next Oregon hire is going to be critical for the conference. Um, we'll see what happens at. I mean, Washington. These are teams that that in the past several years have been kind of the leaders in the Pac-12, and they just fell off. Like, uh, I, I n- nothing against Oregon this year, but I thought Oregon should have taken a loss prior to playing Utah. 
another loss. I, I don't I don't think they should have been a one loss team coming into that game. I thought they were kind of hanging on the cliff's edge for most of the year. So so we'll see if 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 Oregon can get things rolling again, if Washington can can get things rolling in and they should USC, UCLA, uh, Oregon State looks like it's on an uptick. You know, maybe the conference gets itself back into prominence, but right now I don't think it's a, a great conference. Well, part of that is, and, and they're doing it under different uh, circumstances, but Oregon, Washington, and USC, for most of my life, most of our lives, those have been the big three. UCLA did have mm-hmm. a run in the 80s. But those have been the big three. Other teams have broken through, Washington State a couple of times, ASU a couple of times. But those are the three that have had runs and really done things. I guess Stanford did win there three and four or five years. Yeah. But Washington, Oregon, and USC have been it for 40, 50, 60 years mostly. And they're all hiring new coaches in the same year. Now, one had them hired away. One had them hired away. But the other two did not like how things were going. They were way down. You know, what, yeah. what league can have its three biggest brands down? The Big 12, the Texas brand was down, but the Oklahoma brand wasn't. You know, yeah. and Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, the Big Ten's had a lot of brands. Alabama's always been good in the SEC, and then LSU and Auburn and Florida and Georgia take their turns. So it, that's why people look at the Pac-12. You've got three biggest brands, and two of the three are really struggling. Don't you think that's a reason that uh, Lincoln Riley took that? I mean, I, I mean, USC certainly has its tradition, but don't you think that's a, a big factor for Lincoln Riley taking that job at USC? I mean, he I, I tweeted that landscape. out, and you I tweeted that out, and you'd fans went nuts. But it seems obvious to me if he wanted to be in the SEC, he would be in the SEC. Yeah, he would stay at yeah. Oklahoma. He went to yeah. USC. Like, it's an easier path. They're giving him a ton of money, and he's got a yeah. lot of athletes in the backyard. And coming off fifty-five and ten, he thinks he can do better than everybody has done at USC the last decade. And he probably thinks that he can be. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he can be Pete Carroll. Maybe, but he he certainly can fi- figure out. Like, if I'm looking at the pathway to the playoffs currently, I don't know that's going to change here quickly. But uh, going through the Pac-12 um, seems like a better path than going through the SEC at this at this moment. So I know. I don't we, think there's any. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just don't think there's any question that that was a factor in his decision. I know we got to go, but you said Mrs. Fields and laughed because I said Mrs. Fields to PK yesterday and got a laugh because he was telling me an outrageous story. PK, you have to share this story with Frank. He's going to find this entertaining. Yeah, so I'm in Vegas last week, and uh, the day of the game was on Friday. I didn't have anything to eat uh, that day. And I was going to wait and go get him the meal at the at the game. But there was a right at, we were staying at the Palms Place off of uh, Flamingo. And there was a place across the street, and it said cookies, right? So I thought, well, I'll go over uh-huh. there and get a cookie. So it's a nice day, too. It was 70 degrees. So I walk over there. I'm going to be out in the sun a little bit. And uh, as I'm walking into the store, these two guys pull up. And they go to, to go into the store. And the guy comes out, a security guard, and he's got a uh, one of those metal detector things. And the guy's like the wand you see at the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the guys yeah, sure. hold out their arms, spread out their legs, and he does it on both, 
both the guys, and then they got to show them their IDs. And I'm thinking, wait a second, what? I just want a cookie. I don't want to get frisked. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> unbeknownst to me and my Utah naivete, the place was, whatever the place was called, it had a name, I forget. So I get on my phone and I uh, Google it to see what is going on. You know, I don't want to walk into a strip club or something here, and uh, which is what I thought, but it looked like a cookie shop. Well, it turns out that all the cookies that they had in there had one common ingredient, and that would be marijuana. <laughs> Remember that last time you went into Mrs. Fields and you got wanted on your way in? Yes. Oh. Those macadamia nut uh, cookies. you got to be wanted in, in Mrs. Fields. And this is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, too. And I'm thinking, wait, something's off here. And not more than 20 yards to the west was a store that said marijuana dispensary. And so I knew what that was. And yes. while I was there, the entire time, and I got there Wednesday, the entire time I smelled marijuana. The entire time. So, so how was the cookie? I didn't get one. <laughs> I did not go in the store. Did you? Did you go for the white chocolate macadamia Maui Wowie? Yeah. I did not realize that there was such a place. I was looking for your basic chocolate chip cookie, just to have as a snack before I started to go over to the stadium. Yeah, I think I think we should start. And I mean, I don't know if Mrs. Fields even exists anymore, but I think we could bring it back, and we could have you know the regular, the PK Mrs. Fields with just the regular, and then the then the Mrs. Fields enhanced, and then <laughs> yeah. you, you know you go into the enhanced store, and maybe you end up with a, a, some, a cookie that's a little different. It reminded you know. me of a time, our first year in my marriage, and I've been married a long time now, my wife and I were in the Caribbean, and we're going to take a catamaran from uh, St. Thomas over to St. John's, and it was 8, eight o'clock in the morning, and you pay for it, and they feed you on there. Well, we get down there, and they've got a continental breakfast, uh, some juice and rolls and stuff. Well, I figured I paid for it, and we already discussed this earlier this morning. I paid for it, so I'm going to have a whole bunch of uh, juice and rolls, Right. Well, after about my fourth swig of my juice, my wife takes a sip. She says, um, I don't think this is strictly orange juice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, dancing. This is the best orange juice I've ever had in my life. It's so fresh. <laughs> I thought it was the Caribbean, man. This tastes great. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, when in the Caribbean, you know. And it's 8.15 in the morning, and I threw down four of these things before I, she told me this isn't just juice buddy yeah and you're over there thinking i hope she doesn't figure out this isn't just juice no i honestly did not know that it was not just juice and i'm the naive sportscaster with a degree from marshall folk well, but see when i grew yes. up i i drank yes. beer i'll be the first to admit but i never drank hard liquor so i had no, no idea, idea what it Tastes like you weren't I, living the mimosa life in New Jersey, baby. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Hey, before I before I let you go, or I guess it's the other way around, uh, PK. I had one more thought on your, which may sway me as in, into this is the best accomplishment for Utah athletics. Financially, doesn't this game mean more to the athletics program 
than than lots of those other uh, accomplishments Utah's had in the past. Not just in the payouts, but in everything else. Yeah. Because the last time I gave I, the ASU would used to call me. I got I, I lost my landline now. I got rid of it, so they can't get me. But they would call me, and I'd say, "Hey, you go to the Rose Bowl. I'll date. I'll donate twenty five bucks every year. You go to the Rose Bowl." So I've donated a total of fifty bucks to my alma mater. Wow. Well. So all the other, it's untold to... amounts of money that that this this thing will bring in. Yeah, no, no question about it. I think that financial aspect is something we we didn't mention. So that is absolutely we'll have to consider that. But yeah, go you. That's an un, unbelievable accomplishment, and I couldn't be happier for uh, for Coach Whittingham. I mean, that that's just a guy that uh, under difficult circumstances held this program together and put him right in this spot to to accomplish this. Frank, we appreciate it. Mrs. Fields has one location left in Utah. If you're up in Layton, go to the mall. <laughs> I'll go check it they out. They got like 40 in California, though, so when you go home, there's plenty of places. Uh, you can stop on your way home and take care of yourself there. Is it still there? Are oh, they yeah, they got there? tons of locations, but they got one in Utah. Wow. But they got locations. Yeah. yeah, go to the website. You can help yourself out. All yeah, right. once upon a time, that was They good. were everywhere, oh, man. Right? Yeah. yeah, no kidding. All right, guys. Great to talk to you. Have a great week. Here's Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider. Next, Tim Lacombe, talking Utah Jazz. You're on the pre-half and post-game, but he also coached both Utah and BYU, and we will talk with him about the Utes and Cougars and where things stand right now for those two football teams. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz Radio Studio Analyst joins us now. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Tim, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? I'm splendid, man. How are you? Good. How's your How's your sidekick? Who the hell would that be? Jake or Yock? I don't know. Have You're an the answer. boss. When <laughs> I re- when I say boss, that's when you come in. I'm here. I'm well. Until then, you you stay quiet. Okay. How's the boss? Who would that be? Who? <laughs> <laughs> We's all fine. Good. So before we get to the Jazz, Tim Lacombe, once upon a time, you worked at the University of Utah. And then once upon a later time, you worked at BYU. And we have both you and Cougar questions for you this morning. But first, the Cougar question. Oregon, Kalani's name is in a, uh, on a fairly uh, short list of contenders. There is serious interest, real interest there, not just some, hey, let's put 30 names on a list. and You, you can narrow it down. If you're a Cougar fan, and I know you are, how worried should Cougar fan be? 
Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't know the word's the right word. I think... Uh, concerned? Concerned, yeah. Worries a little more. That's kind of what PK does. He worries. You and I, we, we have concern. Um, no, I think it's real. I think, you know, in Oregon's a place that, for a lot of different reasons, the majority of them, the color green, um, uniform and green backs, I think, are the, the main reason. But, no, I, I think in, in what Kalani does and the, the guys he can recruit and everything else would be really enticing. Um, you know, I think you couple that with what, you know, I heard a little clip of Tom Homo yesterday talking about Kalani being their coach and, you know, the, them making sure that uh, they're out in front of things. So it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but the one thing I can tell you, knowing the situation pretty closely, is A, uh, Kalani loves BYU. You know, he loves being there. He he really does kind of see himself as a guy who, you know, brought up through by Lavelle and, and kind of carrying the torch. So it, it would have to be really, really good, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons for, for Kalani to go. But um, I certainly has, I should have everybody's attention because I think, it, like you said, it's not just, you know, I think it's real, right? I think he's one of a couple of names that really makes sense. Yeah. I think that absolutely it does. I think there's there's multiple reasons why he would consider and then take the job. I don't know if he'll get offered it, but just for the sake of argument, and it would be that uh, you know they just fund the program better, they fund the assistants better, and here it's at, at, at BYU it's it's almost like assumed. Well, an assistant gets a higher paying job offer, he's gone, and we don't even bat an eyelash, and that that's not the case at other places. And the the program, the the staff, which includes on-the-field coaches and other guys in other administrative positions that they're concerned about the program being funded adequately enough to compete at the level that they only compete in in the Big 12. So what level of confidence do you have in BYU uh, wanting to compete at the level that they need to compete at financially once they go to the Big 12? Because it's going to be a difficult transition uh, just on the field, and then it's going to be made more difficult if it's not funded adequately. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a, a look at how things are done that way. Um, you know, I can only speak from experience with, with you know, when when our staff had the ability uh, kind of in a similar time after the Jimmer year, uh, you know, Coach Rose got a couple of major schools offering jobs um, and for considerable, considerable raise for everybody. Um I mean, I think we could have probably gotten a raise for, uh, you know, and, and perhaps uh, hired somebody to park our cars if we wanted to at the place we were going. Um, so it, it was pretty incredible what, what the offers looked like. Um, but, you know, I think Coach Rose took that as an opportunity to try to leverage some positive stuff for the program. And he took the tack that, hey, we'd love you to build a facility here. Um, you know, that we could have on campus because at that point we were still getting kicked out of the the PE gyms and stuff when we'd try to get extra shots up. <laughs> um, 
so yes, uh, it's got to be looked at, and it's got to be it, it's got to be differentiated when they take that step. Um, you know, they they made a transition to independence, and they had to do a lot of different things differently. And yeah, they've got to get they've got to get into this day and age where um, you know coaches are appreciated and paid what they're supposed to be paid. I mean, I I spent 12 years at BYU, and I think I made about a fifth what my colleagues made up north. So I think that has to be something that you take into account. All right, now we need the Ute portion of your career. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Man, it's really awesome. Um, You know, for because I'm a basketball person, I would imagine that, you know, the national championships and both the uh, the NCAA, uh, the the final four that Coach Majerus went to, um, the Sugar Bowl has to be up there. Certainly a lot of I mean, the women's gymnastic national championships are huge uh, for the school and created quite a following. But this one, you know, it, coming right now on the heels of everything that, program's been through you know i really do think that um i think it was ben anderson that tweeted out that uh kyle really should be studied for a master class in leadership after this year dealing with everything he dealt with um continuing to keep that thing plugging along and you know it was on the field stuff and it was off the field stuff and you know, that stuff can get away from you really quickly. And then, you know, you lose to BYU, the thing could have really tumbled. So I think it's massive. I mean, everybody, every Utah fan that I talk to, I mean, they're they're making their way to Pasadena. They understand the magnitude of this. And, um, you know, I I think it's an awesome, awesome thing for, for the university, you know, to be able to take part in the granddaddy of them all. I mean, we've all been watching it as long as we've lived. And so it's, it's really cool that, you know, what was it, 10, 12 years ago, the Pac-12 came calling and Utah negotiated their way through all that. Uh, everybody kind of wondered, will they ever be a player? And now they're they're playing in the Rose Bowl. So kudos, major kudos to Kyle Whittingham, one of my favorite people, uh, and, and his staff for what they got done and all those players for hanging together. Yep, well said, absolutely. Turning to the Jazz. Uh, sort of uh, riding the ship, but I don't know that this ship needed to be righted. I don't know that righted is a word, but you get the point. Uh, as far as, you know, the little mini slump that they went through, uh, I sort of uh, looked at it and thought, oh, man, these are dis- they're concerning losses. I didn't worry about them, using your words. I, I had them, I was concerned about them, and they were disconcerting, but at the same time, I'm not overly concerned because I think talent in this league wins, and over the course of the season, the regular season anyway, they'll be exactly where they're supposed to be. You guys see the Cleveland game or see pieces of the Cleveland game on uh, Sunday afternoon? Watched it, rewatched it, and then watched it again. Okay, so you've got it broken down. Mm -hmm. Um, I said prior to the, the Cleveland game, I thought the Boston game was probably as good as the Jazz have played. Um, and everybody, you know, hey, they gave up 130 points. Well, the offenses that night were both unbelievably good. Um, but I'm telling you, that Cleveland game really turned my head. I, I grabbed the the prep film, getting ready to watch. Cleveland, if you haven't watched them, I know you have three times, PK. <laughs> but for those that haven't, 
I think that they may be one of the best teams in the league you haven't seen or heard of. And, and two guys stand out off their film, uh, Jared Allen, who is just really starting to, you know, come into his own, understand the league, and he's starting to dominate. And then Darius Garland, who I think is going to be a – he'll be a perennial all-star. But that was a really hard game. Sunday afternoon, I thought the Jazz uh, weathered a few storms. They got down, you know – and had to make a push to win the game late. Um, I thought that the, you know, the ball movement again was terrific. In the last four games, the Jazz have made uh, 19, 20, 27, and 23s. Um, and so, you know, early in the year, threes weren't falling, but they're finding different ways to still be good offensively, still be the number one team in the league offensively, shooting you know, 30% from three, that number's quickly gone up to 36, and so is their offensive rating, which is uh, way ahead of, I mean, five or six points ahead of the second-place team, Golden State. So things are really starting to click for this team. Um, I'm starting to see that maybe even some of the frustrations early in the season individually are kind of going away. I see Donovan Mitchell smiling a lot out on the floor, which I like. Um, Rudy Gobert did not score in the first half and still had a major, major productive game, blocking shots, rebounding the ball at 20 rebounds. So little things that the team just kind of had to figure out how to learn. They're kind of starting to learn. Um, I've said all along, if they start making shots, look out. And I made the comment to Jake Sunday afternoon as things were really rolling against Cleveland, who was putting up a great effort. This is the type of team right here that could – make it to the finals you know if they play like this if everybody's playing for everybody else and the efforts there and they have the ability to shoot the ball like they're shooting it like they've got they've got it what they need built there so really exciting things going on with the jazz right now as good as they are and they look they look good and they look like they can be very good how big is the gap between them and the Suns and them and the warriors well, I want to see him play. Um, you know, I think that's what's beautiful about the NBA right now. It's another reason I think Cleveland's for real. I looked at the strength of schedule, and it's number six. Um, everybody's playing, you know, different schedules and playing different people, and some teams you haven't seen yet. Um, and really, those those it comes down. I think they're both really, really good. I think they're both going to be tough matchups for the Jazz. But I also believe that the Jazz are better for, you know, their off season. Rudy Gay came in last game with no Hassan Whiteside and he played that hybrid five to perfection. And so I, I think, you know, you, you think of last year and the Jazz and Phoenix and kind of Phoenix had our number. Um, Golden State certainly is playing great basketball and Steph Curry's one of the greatest guys to ever shoot the basketball in history. But until they match up and we see, um, I don't really know, you know what the difference is between them. I know a couple games here and there. Uh, but I, I really like where this Jazz team is, and I'm really excited to see when, those, when they play the te- those two teams because they, you know, that'll give me a better idea of, of how they sit. So DJ doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is as good as Chris Paul. I do. What's your reaction? Right, like right this second. Yeah. 
shocking, but I mean that's what he thinks. So I mean, I mean he's a basketball guy, as you know. Well, they're different players. I mean, it's kind of like people say, "Do you like DJ and PK?" Well, I like them, but I like them for different reasons. You know. Um, your mistake. Your mistake in answering this question was taking him seriously. <laughs> You screwed up. <laughs> we want no, to see if you take the bait. I'm doing it. I'm doing it a different way. I, okay. I didn't know he's playing with me, so I'm going to plug back. Okay. DJ's a conversationalist. Yes. Um, you really don't. If you if you have a, a an appointment in 15 minutes, you really don't want to get caught talking to him on the way out the door. 30, but okay. Um, and then, you know, on certain days, PK can just make you feel like you're nothing. Uh, just the little glances he gives you. By certain days, you mean days that end in Y. Not Correct. true. You all mean everything to me. You're my guys. Um, the only time I actually, the only time I hear from him is when I have Stones concert tickets in uh, Vegas or access to a golf course. Let's put it that way. Not true, not true, not true. So, yeah, but but I do have unique relationships with both. Um, I think informationally, DJ is about as good as it gets. Oh, yeah, he's something. Um, sarcasm level. He's off the know, charts. Nearing him. a 101 for PK, which is really, it's New Jersey-centric. <laughs> he's something. I just think Mitchell's as good as Chris Paul. That's all. So we are at the end of the segment. But next week, Tim, when you come on, uh, we'll talk about the ever-evolving priority of where you should take shots and why Chris Paul is a recipe for how the NBA needs to evolve. You and like pro- his mid-range? And if they're taking away dunks and threes and you shoot what everybody else shoots at the mid-range, it's an ineffective shot. But if you're as automatic as Chris Paul, maybe we ought to double back and see how efficient that shot is. And if uh, NBA guys, if you want to stick in the league, maybe you should take about 10,000 of those next summer. Yeah, Get yourself you on a Chris Paul trajectory. <laughs> I like it. You could play, you know, just turn, as you practice, you could turn Pointer Sisters automatic on in the gym. Sing And it. maybe that would subliminally. No, I'll let PK sing it. Okay. All right, we appreciate it. Automatic. <laughs> that one. Tim around. Not one of the Pointer sisters, but one of the Pointer's cousins, maybe. All right, thanks, Tim. Cousins. Once removed. All right, later. There is Tim Lacombe. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. With us, it requires a lot of communication, what we do. I don't think a lot of teams, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, do what we do. I think we have a complex game plan on both ends, and I think it's to our advantage because we have such a tight-knit group. We can speak, we can talk, and continue to make adjustments on the fly. We have smart players as well. You know, a lot of that goes into it as well. So guys who understand how to make those adjustments, and then when you have vets, like I said, guys who've seen it and done it on a bunch of occasions, you know, just continuing to have that communication. You know, for us younger guys, like I said, we're playful, but we're also, you know, eager and hungry to learn and hungry to continue to help team out, you know, whether it's playing, not playing, communicating, you know, we all want to help. Donovan Mitchell talking about the Jazz, some of the things they got to do 
to stay on this on a little bit of a roll now, not a huge roll, but keep it going. In Minnesota tonight, Timberwolves have lost three in a row. They had gotten over 500. They had a nice stretch of ball there, winning seven out of eight, but it has gone wrong here for them in the last three games. They did have a nice stretch of ball. There it was. All right, good for them. Anytime you have a nice stretch of ball. Anything you're looking for tonight or just one out of 82, get the win and move on. A win, man. A win, baby. I don't know about baby, but a a win. Game two on this four-game trip for the Jazz are going back-to-back here tonight. And tomorrow, first things first, the Wolves tonight. The pregame show starts at 5 here on The Zone. Tip-off set for 6 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Bumps with Doncic, takes it left, go to the rim, and lays it in with a left hand. Out for Burks, up top Barrett, straight on three, nails it. R.J. Barrett, a career best, seven threes with 32 points. And the Lakers steal it, outlet, L.B.J. I know Schroeder's made, what, eight free throws, but as Russ does it again, throw it down, Russ. One hand hand. The Lakers beat the Celtics 117-102. to LeBron James with 30 points. Russell Westbrook with 24 points and 11 assists. You never know how things are going to change, PK. The arrows seemed up for the Celtics a couple years ago. They had a lot of good young guys, but the GM's left. The coach has changed because the coach got promoted. A couple guys don't work out, and next thing you know, they're back to being a 500 team. Was that a promotion? From coach to GM? Yeah. yeah, I usually think of that as a promotion. Do they you don't think more? it was? I don't know. Hence yeah. the question. I don't know if he makes more money. I've not heard what his deal is. Celtics dropped to 13-12. and 12. They are tied for 8th in the East right now. Lakers pick up that win. They are also 13-12, and 12, but that has them tied for 5th in the West. Nets beat the Mavericks 102-99. to 99. James Harden leading the way with 23 and 12. And the Knicks beat the Spurs. CJ McCollum collapsed right lung, sidelined indefinitely. He was injured late in the game Saturday and a loss to Boston. Luka Doncic says his conditioning has got to be better. Reggie Miller criticized the Maverick star during their loss to Brooklyn, saying he was plodding up and down the court. And he's got to trim down. Doncic reportedly weighed in at more than 260 pounds when reporting to training camp. Second straight season, his weight has been up. They lose him at 230, but significantly heavier than that. And any unvaccinated NBA player with temporary visa status isn't going to be allowed to go to Toronto and play the Raptors. NBA says 97% of the players are vaccinated, 60% had booster shots, but some people may be skipping that trip to Toronto. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State and BYU in the Marriott Center tonight. In-state game. It's on BYU TV at 7 o'clock. Scotty G's got the call at 6.30. Aggies are off to a 6-2 start. BYU off to a 7-1 start. Intriguing game early in the year here, PK. Yeah, I mean, in-state games are always fun. We talked about it with Mark Matson last week. The Aggies got an infusion of new blood with transfers there. And obviously the new coach. And then what are the Cougars going to do without their height? 
And they lost their two big guys. That's a significant blow. How are they going to compensate? We'll come for that. Utah's in Fort Worth to take on TCU. Game will be streamed on ESPN+. UVU's in Cedar City to take on Southern Utah. Southern Utah undefeated in the big sky with a couple of wins. Picked to do picked to finish 1-2 with Weber State. They're 5-3 on the year, and UVU 7-1 coming off a win over BYU. Undefeated Weber State is at Washington State. 8-0 Wildcats, 6-2 Cougars. That's on the Pac-12 Networks at 8 o'clock tonight. So plenty of college basketball for you. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. No, I think it's awesome. I, I've known Brent for a long time. He's a good friend. Um, and uh, no, I just uh, to see him get that opportunity, I know he's been you know, waiting for, for the right opportunity for a long time. And uh, he certainly earned it. And I'm, I, I know he'll do a great job. We got a chance to visit a little bit, which was which was great um, uh, before he before he accepted the job. And, and uh, so now I'm really happy for him and his family. Know him well, and, and uh, he'll do a great job there. They, they, they couldn't have found a better choice. Lincoln Riley, the former Oklahoma coach, praising Brent Venables, his replacement at Oklahoma. What else was he going to say, right? I don't know. I don't know what the context was. I don't know what the question was. I mean, anytime you say what else was he going to say, well, nothing is always the answer. (laughs) But I don't know what that was done in conjunction with. Mountain West coaching change. Fresno State has rehired Jeff Tedford as the Bulldogs head coach two years ago. He stepped down due to health concerns. Tedford says he's recovered from the issues of forces resignation. That led to the program Highland hiring Kalen DeBar, who uh, recently went to Washington as their new head coach. Several years back, I've interviewed Tedford many times. Always found him to be very candid and fun to interview. And we're at Pac-12 Media Day, and they had that, at that point they had three full-time sports radio stations in Salt Lake, and all three were there. He was going to come to us. I don't even remember what station was that, to tell you the truth. Uh, probably this one, I guess. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, and he was going to come around the corner. They had a bunch of tents set up. I think it was at Universal. And he comes around the corner. We're the third one. It's like 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. And, you know, they have the sign there to rip tell everybody where you represent and who you're representing and where you're from. And he looks at me and he says, another Salt Lake sports radio station? I said, yep. He says, you gotta be bleeping me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, college football's big in our area. Sit down, coach. (laughs) And he's won. He won at Cal and he won at Fresno before. He's only 60 years old, I I would think, probably. Maybe 61, but I... He's 60. Yeah. So as long as he got his health squared away, that's pretty good news. Well, you know he can do it in, in Fresno because he had good teams there. So. I don't know, but you were just telling me yesterday about going back. Coaches don't do that. Now you just changed it. Now you said you know he can do There's it. There's an exception to every rule. <laughs> and he stepped away for an unusual reason. According to you. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, Jim Kelly can't do it. Can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it. He can't go back. Well, you know he can do it. You stick with your rule. There's exceptions to these rules. You got to look closer. Tomorrow, I'll probably be back to the other one. <laughs> Ohio State's hired Oklahoma State defense coordinator Jim Knowles as the Buckeyes' new defensive coordinator. Knowles' defense in Stillwater was number three in the country in total yards per game this year. 
He will not start his new position in Columbus until after the Rose Bowl against Utah. Their defense has been vulnerable to the run at times this year. Oregon ran on him. Michigan ran on him. Those are their two losses this year. So he'll have to fix that. But first, we'll see if the Utes can run on him in the Rose Bowl. Pitt offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who mentored Kenny Pickett and helped him become a Heisman Trophy finalist, has resigned from his position, 64 years old, spent three seasons at Pitt and helped the program transition from a run-heavy scheme to the pass-happy attack they've got today. And LSU's starting quarterback Max Johnson has entered his name into the NCAA transfer portal just days after Brian Kelly was hired as the Tigers head coach. LSU down to one scholarship quarterback on their roster as they get ready to play in the Texas Bowl. Kyle Whittingham said this would be the craziest transfer portal yet. So He did? Yeah, he did. In his press conference, uh, I think it was before the Colorado game. I don't think it was the last. A few weeks back. Yeah, yeah. it was a couple weeks back. Isn't that just like, this will be the hottest summer because the last one was, and the one before that one, and the one before that one? Trending in the same direction, breaking records every year. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. We're joined now by Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you are back again. Guys are hesitant to get their ED taken care of. Every time you come on and talk to us, it seems like, well, a few more people must come in because you're back again. And it's that hesitancy, right? <laughs> that, is, that is a good point. Uh, there's a stigma around ED, and I think it's a dangerous one, frankly. Some people think we shouldn't talk about it. I think we should talk about it more because when a man gets ED, the relationship suffers. We're treating a lot of guys at Wasatch Medical from age 20 to age 90, mild, severe, uh, it doesn't matter. This technology, acoustic wave therapy, it's sweeping the country. We use the two most advanced versions, uh, gentle pressure waves, open up and regrow the blood vessels. So you can kind of imagine, you don't have to take the pill. The blood flows like maybe it used to when you didn't have to stress about things. This is the first and only technology that treats the root cause of the problem and can restore on-demand function. So Cambridge University did a study, but they're not the only ones. Can you uh, share some of the details? They are not the only ones. Cambridge studied one device, the Cleveland Clinic. That's one of the biggest hospitals in America. They studied one device along with many, many others. Uh, They're posted at wasatchmedicalclinic.com, by the way. The Cleveland Clinic did a study, and at the end of it, here's what they said. It generated a clinical and statistical increase in blood flow. That is so cool. Uh, A lot of guys could use more blood flow out there listening. Uh, A great thing for relationships. As always, you've got a discount, a special offer for our listeners. What is it? We deliver a lot of value. If you're ready to regain your love life, and by the way, you'll be done with these treatments before Christmas, so better holiday season with your loved one. Give us a call this morning. You'll qualify for the exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with our MD. That's important. Uh, Free. The gift that produces immediate results to intimacy. I think you'll like that. And this is a really cool aspect. Blood work and testosterone. Very valuable. That's free today as well. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. It's official. The Utes 
voice of the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman, coming up at 7.30. Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, is coming up at 8.10 this morning. 8.10, not 8.05? That's apparently at 8.10. <laughs> Buller told me the time. There you go. <laughs> okay. 8.10. I assume he's got some meetings, some breakfast meeting for the show for his game tonight. He's got meetings, and he apparently has to also undergo a COVID test. So, ah, what do you do it tomorrow? NBA testing. What is it? Do it Friday when you're free, carefree. Right. Apparently, he's free at eight ten today. So he said he'd do it then. Oh, he's your guy, man. You set it up, didn't you? I did not set up the specific time. I rarely do that. Yak sets up the times. I call I him, talk to him. Hey, you want to do I this? I didn't mean a specific time. Well, you did. Friend. You were talking about eight ten. Well, you misinterpreted. I said generally. Generally, I did call and set it up. Hey, you want to come on while you're on the road this week? And he said yes. And he picked eight ten. All right, DJ and PK. Time for the question of the day. We got a few minutes before Christian Cox joins us. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahhairnd.com. Question of the day. Three finalists. For the Coach of the Year, the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award, Blake Anderson, Kalani Sataki, Kyle Whittingham, three of the 13 finalists, rank the Utah guys from one to three. It's pretty cool that all three got nominated. It looked like they nominated all the coaches of all the conference champions and then a uh, handful of 10-win guys. You got me. I didn't look. I'm not an awards guy. I don't win them. I don't really pay attention to them. Just look at myself in the mirror. Did I do the best I could today? That's good enough for me. Well, all three of those guys ought to look in the mirror and think they did really well this year. They ought to look at their bank account, too. And it's doing really well. And yes, if you win 10 games, you did really well. Daniel says any of the three would be a fine choice. But none will get it. East Coast bias will prevail again. I have no idea who votes, so I can't say that. I I have no idea where the voting contingent lives. Steve says all are very deserving. The question is like asking who your favorite child is. No, it's not. And what's wrong (laughs) with having a favorite child? Why is is that so bad? Well, the other kids feel a little left out. Yeah, well, then do better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that the obvious thing? You're not going to pick a favorite. The one over here is giving you all sorts of grief, and the other one over here isn't. Whose fault is that? That's a dumb phrase that I have always disagreed with. Like it's some cardinal sin to pick your favorite child. Everybody does it. You got somebody over here is giving you all sorts of crap. Why wouldn't you pick the other one? 
come on. Use some logic here. You're Mr. Logic. Why is that so bad? Think uh, about it. Probably the psychological damage to the kids. Yuck, How about the you, psychological damage to the parent? Yuck, have you ranked your kids yet and let them know? I mean, Christmas is coming up. It's kind of a virtual. I mean, in your house, we had, a, we had to have a, a, a conference and somebody got a B minus. They're five and three. I'm so, I mean, I mean, I get it for you, but for the rest of us who got troubled kids, sure, it's easy to pick. Come on. The real world here. I dispute that phrase. And there's a lot of people right now nodding. Yep, spitting truth, spitting truth, loogies again. Man, that's gross. <laughs> oh, truth, loogies, and you've never flying spit. around the room. Yeah, but not indoors on the table on the carpet in the room we're in right now. Do you see any saliva anywhere <laughs> outside of inside my that mouth? One dripping right there. <laughs> there's no saliva present except in my orifice. Ooh. Jake says, Kyle runs the state. Going to assume Jake is a Ute. He runs the state. Runs the state. He's the highest state empl- paid employee, usually if the football coaches are. But no, I would not put him number one. Really? I was going to go... Kyle one, Kalani two, and Blake three. No. How are you going to go? I think you got to go Sataki one. BYU's done something that they've never done before. And you'll say, oh, Utah has done something. Yeah, well, we found out Cristobal had a foot and a half out the door, and he won, Kyle won one game. Cougars won five. They've never gone undefeated against five Pac-12 teams in the same season. They rarely go undefeated against anybody for five games. Kyle's won the South three times. He won one more game against a half-hearted Oregon team. Blake Anderson's done a phenomenal job. So I can consider putting Blake two. Because the Eggsters have never won the... Mountain West. Now they have. And they went to... <laughs> it's always tough to go down to Carson and play there. Believe me. I've been to Carson many, many times. My wife attended the institution on which the very stadium is built. She's walked the halls of Cal State Dominguez Hills. Scotty sent us a thing on Saturday. And I said, well, send some jerseys. Then he sent he sent back a picture of a guy in a in a uh, prison garb. Yeah, I already picked it up, and I thought, do I want to continue this? Because then I put I typed in Utah football player Utah State football player arrested, and I only had my choice of about nine stories to send them. <laughs> you should have sent them all. <laughs> but I was playing golf, so I thought, uh, oh yeah, get I'm, off your phone while you're playing golf. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna let this slide. <laughs> Just send him a bunch of mug shots. Yeah, he's like, well, which one do I want? I felt like I was at Chuckarama. The choice okay. is yours. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't realize so many of them would come up when I typed that in. But I let it go. My wife t- uh, texted back and said, this is not funny. She's a proud alum, Cal State Dominguez Hills. Her master's degree, I might add. Not some, you know, weak sauce undergraduate. Yeah, not one of those bachelor degrees. 
So I could put that there because that's never been done. But I think Utah, obviously they all had great seasons. But I think these awards, in my mind, is who exceeded expectations. And that is why Rick says it's got to be Blake Anderson. Vegas had them winning two to three games this year. BYU and Utah did about what we thought they should oh, do. There's no way. There's no way we thought BYU was going 10-2 and and going 5-0 and against the Pac-12. There's just no way. And No, but overachieving expectations by two or three wins versus overachieving expectations by five wins. And Vegas, Vegas, name me one transfer who would be an impact player at Utah State, and that would be zero. They had no idea. So those things mean less and less and less. None of us had any idea what Bonner was going to do. None. Zero. Nobody. Except Blake Anderson. That's why he gets the coach of the year. Well, I, I did in, I, in I would West ask Blake and, no, I'd ask Blake, did Bonner perform the way you thought he would? And he would say, say yes. yes. So what happened there that was beyond Blake Anderson's expectation? Nothing. In the most important position in sport, in team sport. Quarterback. He brought in an experienced dude. And that's to take nothing away from them because they were just absolutely phenomenal. You got to tip your cap big time. I mean, except for three games, and I'll I'll let them lose three games. I'm sure he would take that. Any Utah State coach would take 10 and 3 with With a conference title. Yeah. I mean, so no one's going to be throwing that back perfect every week. So and and the good thing about it and the games they lost they lost so there was no what ifs and and he was so open about how the team lacked the physical strength and size and how we need to beat you in different ways so that's just great coaching because he acknowledged it and then he went about and didn't use it as a crutch still found ways to win knowing that hey they couldn't just go in the trenches toe to toe that's not who they were. And so that's a phenomenal job coaching as far as I'm concerned. But it, it's hard to give somebody the coach of the year who didn't even get coach of the conference. Dallas says Kalani, hands down. Then Blake, then Kyle. Kalani killed it and still does with a decimated roster. And BYU beat both those other teams. Kalani's the only choice here. Uh, that's something to factor in for sure. Yeah, yeah when you think about wins. it. Yeah. yeah, He did beat both of those teams. There's no question about that. Yeah. So that that's a a nice uh, edge to give to him when you're comparing these three. I can buy that. Brian says Witt and Sataki are tied. Witt for turning the team and season around and challenging external dynamics, and Sataki for taking a decimated roster. Seriously, does BYU even have half their starters available at this point? Yes, and they beating do. the Pac-12 champs five and zero in the Pac-12 and Virginia to boot. Six and six, Virginia to boot. <clears throat> Kalani lost eight of his best players to the NFL, found a way to go 6-1 and one versus Power 5 teams, and beat Utah and Utah State head-to-head. Clear choice for number one, and it's not even close. Blake Anderson did a heck of a job, and his built-in disadvantages with his much smaller fan base and less money. He's going to do great things at Utah State, but you can't lose to Wyoming by 27 and be number one on this list. Kyle has all the advantages of Power 5 label, which BYU now will have, but it's created huge recruiting advantages. And he found a way to lose to San Diego State, BYU, and Oregon State. Clearly Kyle's third place. 
Yeah, it's a tale of two seasons for the Utes, non-con and con, and spring game boy and cam rising. Those are your big differences there. And they lost to Oregon State, but that's the Pac-12. Literally no team has gone 9-0. and zero. So pick a game. You're going to lose to somebody. And it happened to be Oregon State. And everybody's got that loss. Utah State losing to Wyoming. BYU losing to Boise State at home. Okay, if you want to compare that, I was just comparing the Pac-12. No team since the thing has gone to... 12 yeah. has gone 9 and 1. And very rarely does it go do the teams go undefeated anyway. I had read uh at some point when they were in the latter stages of the Pac-10 that there had only been like five teams in like 30 years or yeah, something like some, that. Yeah, some some staggering amount. Yeah. And because the thing about the Pac-12 is they've got skill players. And we saw when they got in the conference, when the Utes first got in the conference, Oregon State came in, and you had Sean Mannion and Brandon Cooks for Oregon State. They weren't a good team, but he was just throwing, laying stuff right on the money to an, an NFL quarterback. Now he hasn't been made it big, but he's still in the NFL, to Brandon Cooks, an NFL receiver. And so that sort of defines the Pac-12. Their skilled talent is pretty good, even if their overall talent on an individual team isn't good. So on that given Saturday, they can get you. And that's what happened. Oregon State. Good for them. They got the Utes. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. It is time now to welcome in Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property water costs or call 877-346-3333. Christian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I told Jake this. What do I owe the honor to speak to the original Godfathers here? So, <laughs> been a while, Christian. Yeah, for sure. Two words, Rose Bowl. Listen, I can't. I think everybody, as we started the season, there's no way we believed that they could turn it around. I think it sums up who Kyle Whittingham is uh, with those two words. Um, obviously, dealing with tragic deaths and two deaths, and basically a calendar year coming up on Ty Jordan's, uh, you know, Christmas Day uh, tragic accident. Um, it just kind of embodies what the University of Utah is and has been for the last 20 years, starting with, you know, Ron McBride. But I, I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and just talk through, you know, what's in the present. But people forget very quickly what 2012, 2013, what 2014 seasons were like and how Utah fans were kind of unhappy with the progress, but Kyle has not only led Utah through the Mountain West to the top, uh, defeated Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, uh, to transitioning in the Pac-12 to becoming the best team in the Pac-12, and not only being the best team in the Pac-12, but defeating a top-10 team like Oregon twice in basically two weeks, outscoring them 76-17. to 17. Just shows that the program is uh, built correctly, where you have all these other schools across the country that are just trying to swap out people and 
what comes to my mind is, and people don't remember this, in 2010, I think it was my senior year, the summer before Tennessee was coming at him very, very hot, and Kyle declined it, which is pretty crazy to think that he would decline an SEC offer in Tennessee. And he's a man of loyalty and production and uh, couldn't be happier for all of the people up there, Sharif, Morgan Scally, Louis Powell, Sione Puha, but the players are who made it happen, and uh, the program is just churning out the same types of types of players personas they're just more athletic but they all have that same level of grit determination and unprovenness that like a Devin Lloyd who was a one or a two star is now the Pac-12 player of the year and it's probably be a top 10 draft pick so there really is a recipe that works up there um I know the secret sauce you guys know the secret sauce it's the same secret sauce that Bill Belichick runs in New England as well it's it's pretty incredible to see what what a, a quality program, and if it's run co- correctly and has the right type of leadership, and people they want to progress, and so Utah's given folks that opportunity to progress up through their program. All right, Christian, we've been doing this radio show for twenty years, and this is a first. And I've known you for a long time. After that, whatever you would call it, mission statement of the football program, I literally have no questions for you because you started at A and you covered every single thing that makes this program what it is right down to Z. That might have been right there the best statement of any guest we've ever had defining why a program is successful and what a program is. I mean, I literally don't know where to go now because you just covered everything that needed to be covered. No joke. I am dead serious here. You checked off all the boxes as to why this University of Utah football program is in the position it is, and you did it in one statement. I'm done here. I mean, you literally covered everything about the only thing that I could throw at you. And that was a phenomenal statement. I'm I am dead serious. DJ will vouch for me. I'm dead serious because he you, is serious. You, but I still got questions. I, the one thing that okay. came to my mind was, OK, you had an experience with Belichick and you sort of just put it, Belichick in there and you didn't randomly put him in there because you were with him for a, a period of time. So what I would ask you then to compare and contrast these two marvelous football coaches. And when you're a football coach, it's not just uh, coaching on a Saturday. It is literally running a program 365 days a year, one at the professional level, one at the high level of college. So what do you see in those two that is common? And are there any differences that you see? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot, actually. When it comes to Bill and Kyle, there's also a third person I throw in there, just just my coaching tree, right? I, I've had the privilege of playing under some amazing coaches. I played under a guy named Larry Wall at, at uh, Bountiful High School. The stadium's named after him. Uh, he produced products like Cam Jensen, Mike Wright, Brady Christensen, uh, lots of quality players. Aaron Roderick ironically played for him. Uh, but when you talk about Kyle and Bill and Larry Wall, all three of them have similarities, and the similarities are this. They are probably the most three consistent humans I've ever seen. When you talk about being on time, doing things the right way, and these are like abstract, you know, things that are off course. These are the simple, tiny things that separate 
the consistent winning programs versus the programs that don't win or your Miami Dolphins or whatever it may be. But Bill Belichick was the most consistent coach. Uh, Kyle is the most consistent coach. And they demand uh, consistency and perfection from not only their players, but their coaches. And somehow they have a knack for looking at someone who's uh, balanced in their talent. Like Coach Belichick would say, hey, the, the value you can add to the team is being multidimensional. And the example of that was in 2011 when I was there, I was hurt, I was on IR, I broke my neck. Uh, but Julian Edelman was backing up a guy named Watt Welker. Uh, Julian Edelman wasn't even playing. He was he was taking putt returns and playing backup corner through the middle of that year. He had to play corner. He had to play, he had to get some time. And if they weren't developing, you know, seventh round draft pick, undrafted free agents to be ready to play, you wouldn't get the opportunity like Julian Edelman did to, to be such a star. And he was honestly going one-on-one against Julian Edelman versus Wes Welker trying to tackle. Like Edelman was so nifty in space. He was like impossible to tackle. You knew he was the better guy, but he was, he was paying his dues in his time. And Kyle's done the same thing. And same with Morgan Scally and Shreve Shaw. They have an eye for talent and putting guys behind him to progress. Like Cody Barton was the starting linebacker. So was Chase Hansen. But they saw something in Devin Lloyd a lot of years ago. But let's not take credit away from Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is the one who showed up to practice every single day, did extra work, did the 6 a.m. workouts, and progressed year after year after year. And what it says to me, the fact that all those seniors wanted to return, like Nick Ford, Devin Lloyd, and a bunch of the rest of the crew, shows how, how good they were with the leadership. And they wanted something to prove. And we're in a day of, of uh, personal gratification and taking the easy way out. It would have been easy for him to take a, be a third-round draft pick and go make a couple million bucks, but he saw the greater vision. And when it got hard, I think this is what's so neat about this team. Uh, it was obviously very emotional the first four games of the season, but they had every, they had every excuse to phone it in the season. They weren't where they wanted to be. Uh, they're giving up a lot of sacks. Charlie Brewer was a flop. They couldn't run the ball with him. He was a thrower, and he was getting sacked all the time. But this team, instead of running from their problems, they leaned into them and solved them, and, and it binded them together. I think that's one of the neatest stories about this year, and I compare it also back to the days of the Sugar Bowl in 2009, which feels like forever ago. That's 13 years ago, or I guess, yeah, 12 years ago. Uh, they all have that same common leadership thread, and you can hear it in Kyle's voice how much it means to him. In life and succeeding, you have to have a greater purpose. You have to have a reason why you're doing things. And this team found what their reason was. It was for those two, their two teammates. But incredible what they did this year. So, Christian, one of my questions for you was the defensive line got pushed around multiple times in multiple games, most noticeably against BYU and Oregon State, but there were other times in other games where they were given ground too. Why were they able to turn that around? How did they turn that around? Kyle was talking about some of the guys are freshmen, they just aren't big enough yet, so it wasn't something that I thought was going to be turned around this season, and yet they seem to have fixed it. Yeah, that's Lewis Powell, that's Sione Puha, that's Coach Whittingham, that's Morgan Scally. It's, you know, Van Fillinger, He's young. He started to settle in. Tennessee Kututau off the bench was really stepped up. Uh, obviously, Tafuna, he had a massive fumble recovery in that Oregon State game. And then Mika Tafua really blossomed. Uh, we wonder where he was the first few games. But just as a defender, and you guys know this, it is really hard to play defense when your offense isn't moving the ball or being complimentary at all. 
They weren't scoring. They weren't uh, getting third down completions. And so, especially against BYU, San Diego State, they were kind of stuck out there. And uh, it's hard to play ball that way. And uh, really, the the I'd say the the key that unlocked the door was obviously the thing that everyone knows is swapping in Cam Rising, plugging in some actual passion, energy, and the team believed him. If they if they voted him team captain, you know what that says. They saw him every day in, in camp. They saw him every day in practice. They saw what he did in, in, in workouts. And so once they put him in, and, and obviously the fumble issues got you know went away, Tavion Thomas has had a heck of a year. The offense became one of the strongest offenses in Utah history, and that's saying a lot uh, in a short eight weeks. Uh, they, are, they found their identity. It was very clear. They were going to run the ball, be physical, and these three tight ends uh, were unreal. Frank Keefe, uh, Kincaid, and Fotheringham, they all were balanced. They all played their own role. They're all different. And then that also opened up uh, the receiving core. Obviously, Ennis and Britton Covey, uh, but uh, Vele really bursts onto the scene. And uh, that's really what, and again, that's a, a roundabout answer, a better offense is what energized the defense and the defensive line uh, settled in played with more technique and he got better production off the edge and they started blitzing Devin Lloyd quite a bit on that right end. Do you think we finally, I don't know if it's out there, but for some it might be, but we finally put the uh, thought of Kyle Whittingham being an underrated coach to bed? I, I don't know what else more you want. <laughs> I, 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 I just go back to, I, I just, I, it's crystallized in my mind. I, I just got back playing in the NFL. I was injured trying to get back in the league. I was covering uh, Utah games pre and post with Hans Olsen. And I remember the rumblings of people saying that Kyle wasn't good enough. And I I was just like, are you guys insane? (laughs) And there was the the weirdness of a potential swap out and and Dr. Hill just, I think Dr. Hill valued him the way he should have. And the one thing you'll get in Kyle, and it's one of those things that, uh, once you earn his respect, uh, you're in you're in the house with him, and it, and it takes a lot to earn Kyle's respect. You guys know this, yeah. And uh, it takes consistency, effort, commitment, work ethic. No other way. You don't get it through talking. You get it through deliverable and results. And uh, Kyle, like Bill Belichick, is the one of the most consistent, demanding of perfection in the right ways of a coach and that's what you want from a head coach and all of these players just you embody that you embody your 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 leader you embody the captain at the top and uh i i don't know what more you want he, he could he go to the nfl and coach yes uh does he want to do that did he want to do that probably but at this point he's a legend like he's he is uh he's stadium worthy in my opinion um He's, you know, growing up locally in the Valley, right? You looked at a Lavelle Edwards. Now I have perspective. He did that for, you know, decades. Kyle's done it for almost two decades now. Yep. And uh, if he wins the Rose Bowl, he's 3-0 and in, in BCS, or I guess New Year's Six championships, and has built a phenomenal program. I just, I echo this to Utah fans. Look at what happened to Tennessee once, once Philip Fulmer left. Yep. Like, do you want to be Tennessee football? Uh, so it's just one of those moments you, you soak it in and you look at a high-powered school like Oregon, well, now what are you going to do? You have to replace another coach, your third coach, in basically five years. 
um, where you've had consistency with Kyle Whittingham. So um, I think this is a, a, the perfect step in the right direction. Uh, would I would I want him to stay for the next five years? Selfishly, yes. Do I want to see Utah in a college football playoff? Absolutely. Who doesn't? Uh, but we've just got to be grateful for what we have. And this has been a very special season, and it's going to be a really historic matchup against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And that's what you grow up watching, and you got it. So I don't I don't know where we could ask for as fans. So I want to ask you about that matchup with Ohio State. We've all seen them just torch teams. We know why they're favored. We know how many years they've been good for. If you watch their games this year, they've got three awesome receivers. So we all know how the Utes could lose this game. We can all see the scenario where they get beat. But the two times Ohio State has lost this year, they gave up 269 yards rushing to Oregon. And they gave up 297 yards rushing to Michigan. Can Utah just line up, be the bully, push him around, run for a huge number, score a bunch of points, and keep that offense out of rhythm over on the other sideline and win the game? You're getting me drooling over here, uh, DJ. That, that's, that, that'd be my exact argument. As you look at the full body of work, it's hard to compare the second game of the season because you're still figuring yourself out. Like Even if Utah lined up against San Diego State again or BYU, would it be a different game? Yeah, you don't get to live in the past. But there is something to be said with the physical nature of pushing a spread offense around. And candidly, you know, why we predicted a a victory against Oregon was Utah is not only just physical. We've just been more physical in the past. Utah has more athleticism and speed now. And their schemes are very, very strong. They're very, very balanced. And uh, it'll be a really good matchup. It'll be very interesting, uh, you know, if, if Utah can come out and play the style that they've played all year i i see it being a very tight matchup with an edge towards utah i i just don't think ohio state has has played um someone as physical as utah save possibly michigan but i don't know if the speed of i think i would favor the speed of utah a bit over michigan michigan's a classic just big 10 uh physical team and has you know great running backs as well so I think the the blueprints in front of you with with both of those victories and Oregon back then they had they had Verdell who ran like crazy and had some big runs in that game. So I would I would give the edge to Utah. Um, again, being biased, of course. Yeah. Well, Christian, on behalf of the station and particularly our show, I want to apologize for not having you on more often because this in my twenty years I could easily rank this as a top five interview of all time. What? PJ, what are you just making my day? Are you just in the Christmas spirit? I'm used to some song of some sort, but like, wow, thanks, PJ. No, no, I base it on results just like Whittingham and Belichick and the result of this interview and the answers that you gave and the in-depth answers, long answers without rambling. That is a skill. I mean, I was listening. I did not tune out. DJ, who has no attention span, was not looking up some mindless, stupid stat on the Internet like he often does and repeats my questions because he doesn't pay attention. He didn't even do that. We were Butterfly, to- we were, shiny thing. We were totally locked in to every freaking word you said because you were on point. It was, And I'm not blowing smoke here, Christian. This was absolutely incredible. Well, thanks, PK. You guys have me on any time. 
Honestly, I didn't bring up having you on to Jake because you. I thought you were Gordon's guy for a long time. And now uh, I, you're available. I'm, all, I'm Expect all available. a phone call. I'm available to all. I'm Hans's guy. I'm Scotty's guy. I'm everybody's guy. All so right. Whatever there is. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Christian. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman. Join us right here on The Zone. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. I've done a lot of radio work with him over the years when he used to do it. Uh, but I am not joking. That was a phenomenal answer. You're right about the long answers without rambling. Yes. I mean, it was like one <laughs> point provoked another point provoked another point. And we've asked lots of people who, when you ask something, and I'm famous for saying two things, right? But I don't usually get past the second or third point. But he had an answer that had six points. And although I still had more questions, I got your point. And he did check off a lot of potential questions right there. I don't need to ask about that or that or that. <laughs> I mean, I still wanted to ask him who was going to win the Rose Bowl. He didn't answer that. But uh, favored Utah. Uh, the uh, and, and he was. Remember when they played that TCU game, and it was a big game. It was a Saturday oh, yeah. afternoon. I think it was the yeah. gal who took over top in the stands. There was that day. It was a huge and, matchup. And, I think they were both undefeated. That TCU team was really, really good. I that, mean, it's just was awesome. it the team that run the won the Rose Bowl or played it, that Fiesta Bowl? I, they were in two I BCS. I think it was games. Fiesta, but I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, but they were really good, many, many pros. And, and they I just remember him at the, in the, in the interview after. He says, well, I know my bishop's going to be mad, but we got our ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember him saying that. And you're in a setting where you just can't burst out laughing, but I wanted to because I thought, this guy always, even as a kid, so to speak, as a college player, told it like it was, or in this case, telling it like it is. DJ and PK, Bowler's coming up in about 20 minutes. Jazz in Minnesota tonight. Stay with us right here on the Zone Sports Network. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 Hotline. What are your thoughts on a Utah-Ohio State matchup? A lot of people think Ohio State is going to not have a huge sense of urgency because, you know, it's playoff or bust for them. But I happen to think Ohio State's going to bring their A game, and it will be interesting. I mean, it's a different level of talent and athleticism than Utah's used to see. Even compared to Oregon, right? I know Oregon won the head-to-head, but, you know, Ohio State's a way better team now than it was then. Utah will have to take a page out of Michigan's playbook and just try to pound the ball, right? Rising for 15, 20 times, and then just run the ball as often as they can and see if that works. If it does work, I think Utah has a good chance to win. If Utah can't run the ball, then we're talking about big problems. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of glasses or contacts, get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Let me give a little thing on Davis Vision. You know, I went there years ago, and they'll really take good care of you. Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, is coming up in about 10 minutes here on the Zone Sports Network. You hear Christian uh, Cox talk about the Rose Bowl, and we all know why Ohio State is good, but have they got exactly the right Achilles heel? Styles make fights and all that boxing talk, and people love to carry that over to football. And the style that has beaten Ohio State twice is what the Utes do. Uh, yeah, but you're just looking at the, about the style that has won them 10 games. 
They can throw the ball. <laughs> so, they can make big plays. And that could be what it comes down to. And has anybody been able to th- been capable of throwing the ball to the level that Ohio State can on Utah's schedule this year? I can argue no and no. Yeah, I don't really think it's much of an argument. Who would he, oh, come close? I mean, Drake London at USC was awesome, but we're talking about three guys who can make big plays on any snap of the ball at Ohio State, and USC had one guy. Oh, I think they had more than one guy. Uh, but their, their program was a mess, an interim coach. And come on. I mean, half the schedule was interim coaches or quarterbacks who didn't play. I mean, the Utes had a, a lot of favorable advantages this year. I'm as big a cheerleader as it comes for Whittingham, but a lot of things went their way to get. And to they, summarize, and the they, league isn't very good. And they basically had an interim coach twice against Oregon. Cristobal with one foot out the door already on the phone talking. Clearly. Now, with that being said, I hope they kicked the crap out of Ohio State. <laughs> 54 to nothing. Well, if you want to beat Ohio State, you better run for more than 250 yards because they only lost twice, and that's how it got done. If they beat Ohio State, I will give him a full frontal hug and a kiss on the cheek. (laughs) (laughs) You're not really motivated. We are upping the ante. I am. I'm upping my game. This, This would be just so awesome. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, will join us in a few minutes. Right now, we are joined by Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you've been on a lot. You've seen a lot of patients. What are they telling you? Well, what they tell us is, hey, we've ha- I've had ED for a while now. I'm sick of taking the pill, and I just want the blood to flow like it used to. They go through our treatments, and I think the general sense is that it was easier than they thought. A session with our acoustic wave therapy is 10 minutes. You might need a few of them, this is according to Cambridge, over a couple of weeks' time. That is it. Uh, This is helping so many men. I think the pill will be a thing of the past. Who doesn't want more blood flow, better performance, more frequency? That's what we're seeing with this technology. So, uh the top causes of ED, why is this happening? Because guys have to be thinking, why is this happening to me? This didn't used yeah. to happen. Why is this happening? Right. Uh, diabetes, prostate issues, those are some of the most common. But I will say the American lifestyle, probably not helping us. Uh, our blood vessels can get clogged. They can harden. They don't dilate like they used to. And that can cause ED. So we're seeing younger and younger guys. Now, here's the good news. Guys in their 20s, 40s, 50s, they respond very quickly to these treatments. Generally, they're looking to kind of top off their drink and just improve things. We have done a lot of that. If you're out there listening, thinking, I want things to be better in the bedroom. I don't think I have ED necessarily, but I want things to be better. We've helped a lot of guys in that exact same situation. So you've got a special offer for our listeners if they call you today at 801-901-8000. Yes. Give us a call this morning. Uh, you'll meet with our doctor, the MD, free, exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound. There is zero obligation to this. You can leave your wallet at home. You get the gift that produces immediate results to intimacy. I think you'll like that. And this is a pretty cool aspect today. If you feel a little low in the tank, blood work and testosterone free today as well. Guys, you can call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that special offer at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Getting into the Christmas now. You're feeling it all of a sudden. It's Kenny. It's Kenny. I figured if I'm going to go with Christmas, I better go with somebody you guys actually like, you know. Well, Two and a half me, weeks Kenny. out. What is this, pajama gram commercial? Not yet, <laughs> oh. but close. We got that. <laughs> it seems early. It gives about 30 minutes. There was one station in town that went to like Christmas music like mid-October. Oh, they go November 1st. Yeah, it was November 1. Man. Hey, be careful now. It's, it's our company. Early. Way too early. <laughs> oh, no, that, that one, I don't think they went to Christmas November 1. That was another station. That you, I know which mm-hmm. one you're talking yeah. about, DJ. So what? Let them go. If you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. Yeah, I had a preset, though, and I kept hitting Christmas Then change music. it. I, I know. Keep going. Like Hallmark. Has uh, Christmas movies in August. <laughs> True story, though. You don't want to watch really? them? Change the station. Yeah, they're not in my rotation. I hadn't noticed. Oh, well, there is uh, in my house. Upstairs. As I'm always banished to downstairs. <laughs> you and your game. <laughs> Go downstairs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I come up, see what's going on. Especially this time of year, but Hallmark has them. Those touchy-feely movies that they got going yeah. on that they've made a... The yeah, same um, script that they just regurgitate. Yeah, yeah. And then I walk by, it's, it's, it seems like it's the same thing, but it makes her feel good, and what the heck. So, uh, yeah, you don't like them? I, I listen to Christmas music December 1. That's your, that's your personal go-to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm good to go the rest of the month. For me, Christmas always started when he hit that school break with the dad who was a teacher. Like, everything at home changed. Obviously, you weren't going to school, so everything changed there. Everything was different. That's when you knew it was Christmas. We're out of school. Yeah, but that might, that might be the 22nd, depending on how it the never calendar seemed, works. I, it, it has worked that way. It never seemed to when I was a kid, but you're right. But it seemed where in, in the district I was in that we were always back to school on January 2nd, and so it was two weeks before that. So I usually had about a one-week lead-up to Christmas. I want uh, I want it more than that. December one day gives you more. Good for you. Yeah, and I really hone in on it about ten days before. Then it's almost exclusive. That's how I got into country, by the way. December fifteen, you were honing in on Christmas, and you needed more Christmas music. Yes, and I got tired of the sappy stuff, and I wanted more peppy stuff. So I'm flicking around the dial, and I come to the country station. I think I came to the Eagle. And, you know, we used to work with some of those people, so yeah, I knew them. Yeah, they're in the same building. Yeah. And uh, uh, um, what's Stubbs' his first name? Keith. Keith, there you go. I was thinking of his brother, Charlie. He, does, uh, he owns Wise Guys. And, uh, you know, he used to do that station, and he was right down the hall. So I started listening to that stuff. And the, the artists, like Kelly Clarkson, phenomenal, phenomenal Christmas music. And it was upbeat, and it was peppy. And from that, we're going back 15 years or so, maybe? And then from there, I just stuck with it. And then I thought, as I listened to it, like, okay, I like this stuff way more than I ever thought, to the point now it you is— You started sampling other stuff. It, it's basically an addiction with, uh, with radio. Yeah. Oh, it's an addiction? So Christmas was your, your gateway drug? To, to country? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, true story. True story. And, and then I started being, ex- I stayed with it. You know, Christmas season obviously stops. And, uh, you know, Blake Shelton, for instance. You know, whomever it might be. And then obviously Kenny. I'm a, I'm a Kenny freak. And now Old Dominion. 
I just bought tickets to Old Dominion over the weekend uh, to Laughlin in April. It'll be like the fourth time I'm going to see them in 2022. Yeah. And it just it went from there. And now, yeah. I mean, I don't wear uh, Wranglers. And I don't do tobacco. But nevertheless, I'm in. And that's how I got in. Via the Christmas angle. Truth loogies could be your gateway drug to tobacco. Be careful. I don't want you dipping. No, I did once. I told you that story. Uh, once in high school. That's, that's what got Tony Gwynn. At a, well, I know he died from yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I, got, I did it one time, a summer baseball. Uh, we were playing at Phoenix College. And I tried it because I was DHing that particular game. So I tried it. And I didn't want to tell anybody, but I went behind the dugout and got sick and laid down because the oh. world was spinning ah. faster than I had ever had it spun before. Yes. And so that was one time, one time I did it, only one time. And I thought, I am never doing this again. And I never did it again. Never did it again. <laughs> I did it one time, a little dip, yeah. and I was on a buzz. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I hadn't been buzzed through other ways before. That would be a lie. Uh, but, but laying I, down behind the dugout during I, a game. That's the only time I did tobacco, uh, and that was it. And you're coming from a uh, family of my parents that were married for I don't know how many years, 50, 60 years, whatever they were. And in their high school prom, my mother's high school prom, which I have a picture that's displayed in my room at home, the both of them at the prom at the bottom of the picture, they both got cigarettes. <laughs> so they smoked. And then in their 70s, they both had Thanksgiving Day. I was in Maui covering the Cougars in 2004. And I got a uh, call from my sister that my father had had a heart attack. And they just had gone, undergone triple bypass. And obviously they said, you need to stop smoking he stopped right at the time and then that was the time that Croton was uh, being let go and I wasn't there because we came back and we had to stop over in Los Angeles my wife and kids came home I went to Arizona and I was there bedside with my father and they were having the Croton thing and then on that dumb message board people were saying I was fired which is why I wasn't there. They literally, I mean, BYU, their sports information had told me that stuff. They, they, they sent me cre- screenshots. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Tom Homo, I am literally bedside. Tom Homo is calling me. Tells you what kind of guy Tom Homo is. He's calling me while I'm bedside to see how things are going. And idiots, these anonymous idiots who do these things were saying that I was fired. Yeah. Anonymous idiots are everywhere. <laughs> yes. And Tom I mean, you, I, had known and was calling to check on me. Yeah. See how my father was doing. Good thing he lived another 10 years. He quit on the spot, did all the rehab stuff, and had another solid, probably another solid eight years. The last couple years into his mid-80s were a little rough, but, I mean, that's sort of par for the course. Yeah. So that was my... Crazy fans. Yeah. Crazy fans are everywhere. Uh, Christian Cox, when he was on with us earlier, was talking about, you know, the people who were down on Kyle when he had the two five and seven seasons. Sure. But Chris Hill thought, you know, Kyle had something and wanted to give him one more year. And they got off to the great start. And we got the bull eligible, bull eligible drop out of beating USC when they went six and one on their way to a nine win season. And it's been off and running ever since then. Yeah, yeah. 
had the one seven and six, but everything else is nine wins or better. He's averaging over nine wins a year since those back-to-back five and sevens. And as much as it was getting Pac-12 talent, and that was certainly part of it, but also that was their their quarterback troubles were at their at their lowest spot at that time. That was that was when they were really those first three years in the Pac-12, they were really struggling at quarterback. And they had Norm covered up one year. <laughs> so none of us really caught on to it. But as the quarterback play started to improve, and you know, Travis Wilson getting to be a junior and senior helped. And the quarterbacks they brought in after that were better and also improved. And, you know, so they got a good year out of Troy. And obviously Tyler Huntley had a good run and improved every year. But the the crazy fans are still out there. PK and and you delete a lot of the stuff on your Twitter. You could go back through my Twitter. If you go back to whatever day they played Arizona, there were at least three people tweeting at me, if he doesn't win this game, he's got to be fired. The Arizona game yes. this last month? Yes. Well, was there any doubt he was going to lose the game? <laughs> he wasn't going to lose the Arizona game. No, I mean, I mean you got to give him credit, credit to Arizona. They played a little bit inspired, and they were coming off a win. So they had a little game. It was senior day. I was at that game. And the defense had two bad drives and was good after that. But special teams gave up that blocked punt for a touchdown. They got yeah. Arizona, you know, back within striking distance. They didn't take the lead, but it got them, it got them back in the ball game. And, mm-hmm. and, and there were Ute fans just freaking out. <laughs> so there's crazy fans everywhere. It's just what percentage of your fan base is crazy? Well, I think there's a lot of people who owe Kyle an apology. A lot of hardcore, a lot of hardcore fans who owe an apology because they didn't think he can do it. Even as recently as last week, I saw on our Facebook. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Craig Bullerjack on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Bowler, good morning. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Welcome to Cleveland. Uh, not Cleveland. Now I'm Minnesota. lost. Minnesota. I think it's two degrees here. I'm frozen, so I'm good. <laughs> Uh, the Jazz are on the road playing the Timberwolves, and they are 7-3 and three on the road. Their home and road records are basically the same. And when you add in all the travel and the jet lag, that shouldn't be happening. Does that say something about their play, the way they're playing on the road? Does it say something about just a couple of the brutal games they turned in at home, and that's what happened? Well, there was a couple of brutal games at home, uh, lost leads and last second, you know, winning buckets by the opponent. Uh, I think Memphis still kind of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s three that uh, you just kind of sit there and went, wow, did that really happen? But, you know, there's been kind of a turning point. I think, you know, you win four in a row and, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to see early shots go in, pushing the ball. The turnover issue still has is a problem it comes and goes and it becomes an issue you lose you know a 15 point lead against cleveland you got to come back with some heroics defensively uh, on sunday afternoon under under uh, sunday afternoon but i'm i'm hoping you know as the season continues on look you're 20 what three games in game 24 tonight you know the turnover issue live ball turnovers i think is uh, something the jazz are still trying to work on passing uh, seems to be an issue. Uh, you know, the high law and the Gobert sometimes it's, it's got to be right on the mark or it just doesn't work out. But 
they still have got the incredible offense, uh, tops in the league. Um, and you know what? They're passing the ball and, and making good decisions as they work it around looking for the best shot. But if the power of the three has been really the key uh, to what the Jazz have been doing during the last, uh, last four wins. I look at sports as entertainment as if I were going to a movie, and I have to say I think that uh, Cleveland game, for my money, oh. was the most entertaining game of the season. Uh, you know, obviously yeah, Cleveland they was incredible. Boston, a lot of fun. Uh, was another beauty at home, just the big shots down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, PK, um, you know, the Jazz haven't really been involved in a le- except the last two games, you know, with kind of that excitement, little playoff fever flavor to it. Either they've won big or, or, or gotten, you know, beat up and, and uh, you know, beaten at the end. Um, so those two games I thought were really kind of uh, more of, an, of the exciting level. And the fact they were able to close out I thought was a big step to, you know, the coaches have said they want to be ready for the playoffs by game 70. It's a long ways from now, but these are just the little steps that I think you have to take to, to, to make that preparation uh, to get to that level. Yeah, I can't say the Boston game because I had to cover the Ute game, so I didn't see it. <laughs> That's probably why I didn't put that in there. Well, I didn't get to see the Ute game, but I saw the highlights. Oh, That's well, it, but I, I, I saw heard the Ute about game. it. <laughs> I was following the game on my uh, phone, but I didn't. I couldn't watch it because it was simultaneous. I thought Gobert's defense against Cleveland, which Cleveland is a nice, young, emerging team. I like what they've yeah. done. Uh, but I thought his defense in the last couple minutes – was just outstanding. It was incredible. He he basically, from the defensive perspective, won that game for the Jazz. Little help from Royce on the backside too, but uh, I'd say Gobert is just. Uh, it's yeah, I think you know the more and more you watch him and, and you really talk about his ability to defend PK the three point line and the angles that he takes back as he runs back to the rim and the baseline. You know, very few players have that ability. I'm, I'm impressed with his lateral speed, you know, as he's kind of gotten more experience in this league. But I'm just looking back. He's had, he had five blocks and 20 rebounds, right? I mean, he leads the league in, in field goal percentage, rebounds, and block shots. Um, that's pretty impressive. You know, he liked to have more touches. I get it. Some nights it works. Some nights it doesn't. And when the three balls dropping, you know the inside game isn't as uh, makes maybe as much of an impact. But still, his his impact is twofold. I mean, if he's at the rim, great. But if he's grabbing offense and defensive rebounds and blocking shots and winning games, that's that's what it's all about. So there's been a lot made about the Jazz' ability to go small, and I'm not convinced when we get to the playoffs it isn't just going to be how well can the Jazz play with the best five players on the court as opposed to a few minutes when they go small. But maybe that will end up being critical in some game. Hassan Whiteside wasn't there. What did you think of their ability to go small? I mean, it's a very small snapshot. I get it. But yeah. It's it what is, we it's have. A small, it's a small sample size, right? But you know what? I was glad to kind of see it, not on Hassan's fact that he had a you know, glute that he couldn't get on the floor. But, you know, sometimes when injury happens, you get answers. And I think this is a great example of that against the Cavs. You know, Rudy Gay made, you know, 15 points and had eight rebounds and knocked down, you know, three threes. Uh, I thought it was intriguing to watch the Jazz play small and against a team that that's very long, by the way. The Cavaliers, to PK's point, you know, 
I'm pretty impressed with what they've been able to do in a short period of time. That's a good young team. And, you know, they get the veterans coming off the bench and Rubio and Love. But uh, I was surprised maybe Pascal didn't get some minutes uh, against the Cavs. But, you know, hard to take Gay off the floor. I think he's playing well. And, again, I think Quinn's finding those rotations. Uh, this was just an opportunity him for him to kind of experiment a little bit with small ball. And uh, the outcome was uh, was maybe better than expected. But uh, I think Gay's made um, – honestly, I think he fits. And, and he's a big guy. You know, he's 6'8", about 250-plus. And, and it still seems to move well, screens well. Can, he's, he's calm and cool with a three-point shot, doesn't get too shaken on the floor. And he seems to be a good fit. And uh, I'm kind of glad to see some of those minutes uh, get used uh, that way against the Cavs. So this has nothing to do with anything, but this is me in a nutshell, and I've been thinking about this. I think that the league needs to totally overhaul the way it does its salary cap and the implications therein. And what I mean by this is they need to set up a way that incentivizes teams that make these great draft picks or find these players. So you look at the Jazz and what, 10 or 12 teams, whatever it was, passed on Mitchell. And I think it was 26 that passed on Gobert because I think he was right. 27. Yeah, he was 27. <laughs> I mean, I know that. That's etched in my mind. I never have to worry about where he was drafted. And then they find guys like uh, Ingles and O'Neal. And I think that if you do a great draw- job drafting or finding guys, that they all shouldn't go in the same pool and it all counts the same, meaning that you should not be penalized because 26 teams passed on Gobert. You didn't. So you should be able to have more leeway to sign him for the going rate, but it doesn't count as much against your cap. So it puts the emphasis on finding and developing talent. And the same thing is with Ingles and O'Neal. Obviously, everybody passed on them a million times over. Warriors and Clippers Warriors had uh, Ingles in their training camp. Clippers cut them right at the end. So he should be signed, but it doesn't count. If he signs for $15 million, that $15 million doesn't count as much as $15 million to the, the cap because you found a gem, and you should be rewarded. And, and so it, it's the same thing as the number one pick. Big deal. Tim Duncan or whomever, Shaq. So those guys count the same towards the cap as somebody as Gobert. That's ridiculous. They need to create a system that if you find these guys, you don't get penalized against the cap as much. You see where I'm going with this? I think it's yeah. genius, Greg. You know, I tell you, but PK, that's what I expect from you on, on, a, on a daily, <laughs> weekly, monthly basis, pal. You know, Ryan Smith is your biggest fan right now because it would save him a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in, in the sense of, of cap expense, et cetera. Uh, it's intriguing, right? Uh, that'd be quite uh, an interesting discussion to have with the Players Association and, and the NBA owners. You know, I, I, I'm, I, to go a step further, I mean, I still think the NFL has, has a beautiful system, you know, with, with just the fact of signing bonuses and you can move players if needed. Uh, the players still are uh, given their, their signing bonuses to keep. Here you have guaranteed contracts, and that can really pigeonhole a team for a long, long time. But I get what you're talking about. And the Jazz are really, I think, in the higher echelon, honestly, PK, to your point, of finding those those diamonds in the rough, right? They've had to 
over the years because of the market. Um, and that reward is intriguing. Would it happen? Tough, but I like the idea. Um, and, you know, the Jazz still have players in their G League, you know, that they, they have their eyes on, and they, they develop players. Uh, you know, Gobert had a stint. Look what he's become from kind of a skinny, tall seven-footer into a, a massive three-time defensive player of the year. And, you know, you, you, you take Donovan, who may be just, you know, six one, but still an elite, young star, superstar. And even finding Joe, come on, man, that changes the whole aspect of the Jazz. Uh, his personality has made such a big impact on who this team is in the locker room and on the floor. I mean, sometimes you can't get enough of just the way Joe looks at his opponents. So that's worth the, the price of admission when he knocks down a three and gives you the, the dead man stare, you know? I mean, that's that's worth it all. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, they, they have found some incredible players along the way, and now they're starting to add other pieces as well to get – a Rudy Gay, a Hassan Whiteside in the mix. Um, it's pretty impressive what Dennis did and now what uh, Justin Zanuck is continuing to do. So you mentioned Rudy Gay there, and again, I'm asking a question about a small sample size because he didn't play right at the start of the season. But he's nine games in now. You think he's given them as advertised what they expected, maybe a little more than what they expected? I, I don't think he's come in under the radar on expectations. No, I don't either. I mean, he's 11 points and five rebounds a game. And, you know, he, he, he tantalized everybody with that first game, you know, three ball that everyone, hey, wow. But he's still shooting 48%. Um, you know, he started, what, Thanksgiving? He's into it not even a month yet. But to me, he seems, you know, in in the moment, in the groove, he's in the rotation. I think he's comfortable. I mean, I'm looking at minutes played. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I, I didn't know if he'd go, you know, 14 George Niang minutes or maybe a bump of, you know, a minute or two more, but he's almost like, you know, 18, 19, 20 on a given night. And um, that's, that's a big contribution for a second unit guy. You know, Clarkson and Joe usually leads, you know, in the minute category about 22, 24. And so, yeah, for Rudy Gay to get that type of production, I think that he's ahead of schedule and that's a good thing. Well, Bowler, we appreciate it. We'll check in with you again. Safe travels on this trip. And remember, you are in Minnesota right now. Minnesota. Tonight we'll be in Philadelphia and then uh, you know, finish up in D.C. All I'm going to tell you is I forgot the, the cold of the Midwest. But you know what? You know what I'm talking about, guys. Cold is one thing, but wet cold is another. Mm-hmm. True sure. story. Throw yeah. the wind in there, and you become an instant icicle, PK. <laughs> That's why in Minnesota they got those big buildings connected by those uh, walkways in the sky, so you don't even have to go outdoors. You go up to the fourth. Big T and I walked what? him last night. Let me be honest, man. If he wasn't here because he played here, you know, if you take a wrong turn, you are lost in a maze. <laughs> and you ask, hey, can anybody help me? And no one's there to listen. You just have to work your way out. But, no, it's, it was good to be able to walk through. And we actually went down and had a little uh, bite to eat at one of his favorite restaurants. But uh, it was a cold night. He goes, you think I? You think this was fun for two years? No. <laughs> you know, not dissing on Minnesota, but, look, it is what it is. It is cold, no doubt. Thanks, Bowler. All right, guys. See you soon. Take care.
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joins us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, a breakthrough treatment that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. If you're struggling with ED, this can help you out. Andrew, what can you tell us about it? Well, that's right. Most ED is damaged blood vessels and restricted blood flow, so kind of a circulation issue. We've thrown pills at the problem for 30 years. Uh, I am yet to meet a man, by the way, that enjoys the pill, trips to the pharmacy, and the headaches the next day. Uh, This is a major medical breakthrough. Wasatch Medical, we use the two most studied forms of wave therapy, backed by 50 studies. Gentle pressure waves open up and regrow blood vessels. Not invasive, not painful. Uh, It's treating the root cause problem of ED for the first time. And that means the on-demand function, the better frequency and performance can come back into the bedroom. So the top causes of ED, you talk to a lot of guys, what do they tell you? What's the problem? Usually we see maybe diabetes, prostate issues, but I'll tell you that uh, we're seeing younger guys every day in the clinic who say, look, uh, I'm about 70% of what I used to be. I'd like to get back to 90 or 100 can you help me? Uh, maybe a little restricted blood flow. We do a lot of that. If you want to just top off your drink, so to speak, uh, this treatment can help you respond very quickly. Um, we've treated men from age 20 to age 90. All right, and you got a special offer. As always, our listeners are looking for a discount. They're looking for a deal, and you've got one. We certainly do. If you are ready to regain your love life, and by the way, you'd be done with treatments before the holidays start, That could make a difference. Call us now. You'll meet with our medical doctor. Free exam, blood flow ultrasound. That's free. There's no obligation to this, by the way. You get the gift just for coming in that produces immediate results. You'll love that. And this is pretty cool today. Uh, Blood work and testosterone, quite valuable. That is free today as well. Guys, you can get the offer right now at 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Andrew and his folks are standing by 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Why don't we hear Kyle Whittingham's name more in these coaching searches? I think there's been a lot of schools that have tried to hire Kyle Whittingham. I think that Mark Harlan, who was giving him a contract extension, it seems like every six months, be like, hey, Kyle, I heard you're on the phone with uh, USC. Here's a uh, another three-year extension. And then that's where it ends. You're absolutely right. So how about BYU get to that point with Kalani? Has Kalani not done enough? Is he not enough? Is he not everything that that university would want? There's a reason Kyle Whittingham's name is not reference. It's not because he wouldn't be the best hire for that university. It's because what the university's done for him. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Yeah. A little Christmas music. Uh, we take a little detour and go to some Muse. Yak's not all in on Christmas. It's still only the eighth. We'll be victorious. Give me a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll work our three. That's all right. I'm, I'm okay with it. 
Had Christian Cox on earlier this morning, former University of Utah defensive lineman, and he was talking about the Utes and how they built the program to the point that it is at. I pledge allegiance to Kyle Whittingham. Consistency, baby. That's just awesome. A plan, focus, stick with it. Yeah, and I think if you're a fan of college football, if you're a fan of winning, go listen to the very first answer that Christian gave. It went on for several minutes, but I was enthralled with it the entire time because he laid out exactly what this program has done to be successful. And I think with the hiring of Lincoln Riley, I think in the South, the other five teams now, that brings the number of coaches since the Utes joined the Pac-12 to 21. I saw someone with a tweet, and I, I can't remember who it was to give them credit, but they're, who's the coach of the decade in the Pac-12? Well, it ends up being a short list because so many of them got fired. Oregon had a couple leave. Well, yeah, but that that's on them. So you, that, you bring somebody from across the country. <laughs> they might go back to Florida. Yeah. To go to Florida State or Miami. And I'll give them somewhat of a pass for Cristobal because he was elevated as an assistant. But Taggart they brought in across the country. And a friend it's of mine. It's a risk. It's just a known risk. You've got to know it. A friend of mine says, hey, man, get, get, get me to play golf with Kyle. Get me to play golf with Kyle. I said, I, I, I can't do that. He says, I'm, I'm going to tell him that I've been a Ute longer than he has. Well, yeah, that's the way it is. We bring in these guys, and then they go Utes, and they flash the sign or whatever. Dad, you're just using Utah as an example. Drop the accent. And, and these guys are basically carpetbaggers. They're just coming in here. They're picking a spot. They're giving him money, and they think they can win, but they're not really affiliated with that school. So Mel Tucker blows out of Colorado in a year. <laughs> and the list goes on and on. And, you know, Chris Dobiak, he got canned, sold his house, they're gone. And nothing, and that's, I'm not criticizing Larry whatsoever for that. Boylan and Jack Letty, It's just same the way, way yeah. it is. You know, and we expect all oh, these guys are they wear the Ute gear, any gear. It doesn't matter what. I said I need to stop picking on using the Utes because people think I'm picking on them. But they bring in. It's the same thing. Whoever the Sun Devil football coach is, I tell these guys, and they all get mad at me. At what makes you so different? I mean, I, we're sitting here in three or four years, probably going to be talking to another guy. I'm not going anywhere. I graduated from that institution, and now you're a big Sun Devil guy. No, you're not. You never really, you weren't ever Sun Devil until they hired you. And you're going to be here, if history, if 40 plus years in history is in vacation, you're going to be here for four, five, six years, and then somebody else is going to sit in this chair. And then I'm going to say, what makes you so different? And then the guy's going to get mad at me, because he's going to, the, the SID is going to say, oh, that guy's an ASU grad, so he's expecting softballs. When I come back, you know, Dennis Erickson, Cutter, Graham, Edwards. What makes you so different? Why are you going to do what the other guys couldn't do? There's still an NFL team across town. <laughs> and they get mad at you. Yeah, and you're in the shadow of that. And it's still 100-plus, and kids want to leave it. And it's on and on and on and, and on. And USC's still got advantages, and you got to beat them. So you got to get one of your own guys. And they were fortunate. They, when Kyle was hired as a, a, what, a defensive line coach way mm-hmm. back when, he wasn't a U of U guy, but he was a city of Salt Lake, Utah County guy. He was, a, wa- he was guy. a Wasatch front guy. Yeah. And they were able to cultivate that and to continue to go and where they are. They've reached extremely high levels now. And it's largely been because of him. 
And so he is one of your own. He'll go down, and already he's already established it as the greatest coach in Utah football history. It's in it's inarguable, and and to the point where Christian Cox was talking about a stadium. You know, he made the reference to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I don't know that they'll do that because they've got a sponsor who pays major money. Yeah, but that's why you go to the statue or you go to the field. I mean, Christian's, aside from the specific point, the bigger point is something big to honor him and remember him down the line. Yeah, and we're not that at, point, at that point yet. He's not retiring. Uh, at least I don't think so. Maybe I'd maybe be wrong. Uh, it, it'll be in, in the relative near future, I believe. Uh, check back this time next year or the year after is is my thought on that. But he'll decide what he decides and do what he does there. But that's what it's about. And you've got to find somebody who's going to be all in. And because when you go in these situations and these guys leave, you simply, at, wor- at, at the best-case scenario is you don't know what you're going to get next. Maybe you strike gold. The SC struck gold with Pete Carroll. Certainly did. But Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Orgeron, Helton, Dante Williams, they didn't strike gold. (laughs) So now they're going to go on to Riley, and maybe they'll strike gold with him. And maybe he takes the Alabama job or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's, he wasn't locked down at Oklahoma, so why would he be locked down yeah. at USC? You run that risk of going along those lines of you know what's what's next or or the NFL. He's only thirty eight years old. Another possibility. Yeah, and you know you you sell your soul to an extent. Florida did with Urban. Urban was never going to be there long term. He's never anywhere long term. But they struck gold. Yeah, they won two national titles. Trade was good enough. If you base it on winning, and they do, if you, if you base it on the three dozen guys who got arrested, they don't. I don't know. I'm not close to the Florida situation, so I can't I can't say that. So I don't know. I don't. I, I'll give you that they might have some regrets about that, but they're they're trying to win titles. They're spending so much of, money. Of course they are. And they got two titles, and they got three in school history, and they got two with Urban. So I think they're pretty happy with the Urban, even though they don't like how it mm. ended. It's inevitable. That's the way it ends with Urban. Unless he's here 18 months. <laughs> right. And get in, get out so You don't fast. even have a chance yeah. to recruit a bunch of guys that are going to bring you problems. Uh, so what what do you want to pay? You know, or Florida did. They paid. And now they're, now they're back. I don't know. Back is probably not the right word. But they're a, a program. Not shambles. But they're scrambling to get it back. Obviously. What's their, they're on their third coach since him. Did, did, did Mullen didn't replace him, did he? No. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got there? And really, and and, and Chris Hill, and we're going to have him in here in the next few days, uh, not making coaching change at the two five and sevens, or or not just that, the start of the Kyle Whittingham regime was not good, and the plane ride coming back from UNLV, you know the numbers. Uh, they weren't good, and they got shut out against Vegas. Vegas has always been crappy, and they didn't make a change then. And it, uh, he fixed that in season, so it never got to the. He went seven and five. He went eight and five. 
and then one and three. Okay. And at that point, it was dudes get fired in season, though. Well, that's true. Sixteen <laughs> and thirteen, not in that era in the Mountain West, but man, it's accelerated since then. Uh, but they were sixteen and thirteen after under Kyla after that loss, and yeah. then he and then he went berserk and. Oh yeah, only like forty out of forty something games or something. I think it was forty one and seven. Yeah, I knew you would know. <laughs> just, just so impressive. So there, there's folks involved, and then they had the dispute there. Uh, uh, that I forget what year it was, but you know he had a little issue with uh, Chris and vice versa, and that thing played out in the public. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that because there's people involved and how it got out and whatnot and all that became a little bit of a soap opera, uh, you know, when they booed Chris at the Huntsman Center and yada yada. But uh, it all worked out, and here we are, and and they're going to the Rose Bowl. You know, for a long time you had guys like uh, organizations like San Antonio saying we want to model ourselves after the Jazz. All right. Well, you, you struck gold with Robinson and, and uh, Duncan there, and you made some good draft choices and then some other places, but your big guys sort of fell into your lap. Uh, and I would advise teams in the South and in the Pac-12, model yourself after these guys here. You know, uh, two ADs in 40 years. and uh, three Three coaches in 30-plus years. Yeah. This is like Steelers West. And you talk about Florida since Meyer, uh, Muschamp, McElwain, Mullen, the three M's. And now uh, Napier. Yep. Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, my, and Urban Meyer's last year was 2010. So he left just as the Utes went into the Pac-12. Yeah. And that's what Florida's been doing while the Utes have been building in the Pac-12. Right. So all you people who wanted the change... I want you, on the count of three, say, I'm sorry. Three, two, one. I'm sorry on three. I'm sorry on three. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, three coaches out of the 13 finalists for the National Coach of the Year are working right here in Utah. How would you rank them and why? We will get to that next. Stay with us. After a long wait, the Cougars finally know where they're going bowling as Kalani Sitaki and BYU is headed to the Independence Bowl. Independence Bowl. The Zone Sports Network will get you ready for kickoff as the Cougars wrap up an incredible season in a battle against UAB. Your home for the best coverage of Cougar football is right here. Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Guys, Mika Couture wants to help out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50, save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. Really, guys? Come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) The list of finalists is out for the National Coach of the Year. 13 finalists, three of them are working right here in Utah. Blake Anderson, Kalani Sataki, Kyle Whittingham, three finalists for the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. Rank the Utah guys from one to three. That's awesome, man. Half the guys on that list are from Utah. That's not half, and you know it. Okay, throw in another guy, though, and you're there. Nope. I mean, I'd put Scally and A-Rod on that list, too, so boom, I'm there. 
National Coordinator of the Year. Don't they have that stuff? They do have different awards for the assistant they coaches. They announced the winner of that award. They take care of all those uh, all those folks. Ed Orgeron won it a couple years ago, and look how that worked out. So, Well, it didn't work out very good. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> Actually, it worked out great. He's got enough to buy a cheeseburger. Isn't that what he said? That is what he said. <laughs> I'm going to take him at his word. Yeah, he can buy a, a franchise. That's awesome, man. This is the best collective year we've ever had. When you factor in all three, right? The finalists are the coaches who won conference titles. And then they threw in Mel Tucker at Michigan State. And Kalani Sataki, an independent. Obviously, no conference title to win. And then uh, no conference title. Try the Pac-12, buddy. And then Kirby Smart at Georgia. So... Kalani and Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker. Both BYU and Utah went undefeated in the South. Yeah. Because the Cougars went 3-0, and and clearly they would have beaten Arizona and Colorado. Well, they already beat Arizona, so clearly they would have beaten. UCLA. Yeah. That might have been dicey, but depending on when you got them, if you got them without DTR like the Utes did, that's Bingo. gift. Gift wrapped. That's like Pajamagram. You get free gift packaging on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap Chip Kelly in a box <laughs> and put some paper around it. Surprise! <laughs> Who is that in there? I don't know if I would like to see Chip Kelly in naturally nude pajamas. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't. <laughs> That's it. Okay, but are you going to sit Who here? Who do you want to see in naturally nude sit- pajamas? No, stop. <laughs> stop. Are you going to sit here, though, and do what you always criticize people are for doing? Are you going to honey naturally nude pajamas? And downgrade. Stop. <laughs> and, and downgrade all these wins? Focus. Damn. I can laugh and focus at the same time. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're downgrading all the U wins. Oh, well, they got him with an interim coach at USC and Washington State. you got to admit, this was a crazy season. I told well, you I at one point the Sun Devils played three consecutive games against interim coaches. And we, and we talk about the Pac-12 <laughs> being down, and this is what happens. Coaches are getting fired because the teams are screwed up. Teams are starting the wrong quarterback in the case of the Utes. But the great thing they about recovered Utah from it, but is they kicked the crap out of everybody. Yeah. And so if, Arizona if was like the closest game. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were totally engaged. They're invested in their guys. Still year one. If Cristobal had been fully engaged, and clearly there was contact going on with Miami, but if he had been fully engaged, those games were such blowouts, I and mean, the Utes won by two touchdowns instead of by four. Doesn't matter. They won. That's all. That's all that matters is they won and they're going to the Rose Bowl. And before Ute fans, you know, jump up and down and, and go berserk on social media, a lot of the breaks the Utes, the Utes got, the Cougars got too. Now, Utah beat USC with an interim coach at USC. Well, so did BYU. And Utah beat Washington State with an interim coach. No. No, Rolovich was still there. But, but the BYU quarterback got, wasn't. The quarterback wasn't. You're right. And, and the star Borgie running back left in the wasn't. second quarter. So they ran, they got that one. Their That's two best offensive right. players were BYU out. went up there and won after the switch. And if you think we're criticizing Utah, the great thing about it is the game that they're playing on January 1 is a no excuse game. I want to believe that, but after they no. beat Alabama, no, no, that's Alabama sh- didn't want that's, to be there. That's the Sugar Bowl. Everybody he wants, wants to, to be in the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Everybody. So I don't want to hear it. No, I don't want to hear it after the Sugar Bowl. But fine, I agree with you. 
I really didn't want to hear from the Utes after the Alamo Bowl. I'm more willing to well, hear that Holiday Inn Alamo. Right. I'm more willing to hear we didn't have our guys; they didn't play. You know, the we don't want to be there. No, you don't I, get to play that many football games. But, but doesn't want to be there. But they lost, and so that the fact is that when you're this, that that just pumps up. See that argument though. Let them have that argument because that just pumps up the Rose Bowl even more. Why didn't you want to be there? Because we wanted to be at the Rose Bowl. That's why. That's why they didn't want to be there. At the Alamo Bowl. And the Holiday Bowl. Yeah. They laid an egg in both games. They were good for a half at the Holiday Bowl, and then at halftime, man, all the air went out of that balloon. That was over. Well, as Cody Barton said, they bleeped the bed. That is what... <laughs> okay, what do you like better? Cody Barton, we bleeped the bed. <laughs> Zundel in the back of the room. Did he just say he bleeped the bed? <laughs> Pretty sure he did. That's what I heard. <laughs> he asked me that. <laughs> yeah, he said it. <laughs> we, we believe the better Christian Cox. My bitch is going to be mad, but we got our ass kicked. Uh, probably I, uh, we bleeped the bed. <gasps> Two uh, pretty good post That's a little quotes. stronger. A little grosser. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> the other one was obvious. We we knew it. You did. It happened. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's Andrew Reinhardt joining us from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you're here to talk about uh, a breakthrough that doesn't involve injections, surgery, or the pill. But guys who would like a little more privacy and really don't want to go to the clinic are going to use the pill and yet, for some reason, eventually they give up on the pill. Why is that? Yeah, I think that they get sick of the side effects with the pill, honestly. They're, they're sick of playing this big timing game around the pill. And then for some, the pill never works in the first place. We have a major medical advancement, and it's, and it's through technology, basically. Wasatch Medical, we now use the two most studied and advanced forms of wave therapy. Uh, I believe this is the future of treating ED. Pressure waves gently open up the blood vessels. Uh, clinically proven, 50 studies to repair circulation back to what it once was and can get rid of the ED without the use of pills or chemicals. So what kind of patient results are you hearing as you talk to folks after they, uh, after they visit you? Well, they talk about how the frequency in the bedroom gets better. That's a big one. How they draw closer to their significant other. The relationship gets better. I kind of believe that when we get the ED fixed, it has this far-reaching ripple effect. Uh, you know, guys are happier. The significant other is happier. Um, so this is uh, its a big problem. And when we solve it, boy, is it great. You've got a special offer, and our listeners love discounts. Yes. If you are struggling with ED, if you're ready to regain your love life, by the way, you'd be done with treatments before the holidays start. What would that do uh, to the relationship? Call us now, the exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound with the MD. No charge. The gift, you'll love this. It produces immediate results to intimacy. And if you're like so many guys, feel like you have a need for testosterone, this is quite valuable today. Blood work and testosterone included at no charge. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED by calling Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. The number for Andrew and Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We were just talking about the Coach of the Year nominees and, you know, the Utes and Cougars and playing interim coaches and a lot of coaching changes. So we have multiple storylines coming together all at once here, PK. We got the coaching carousel spinning like crazy. We've got 
new transfer rules that players are really embracing. The number of players going into the portal is climbing each and every year. Kyle Winningham thinks it'll be a, uh, the craziest year ever on top of the craziest year ever on top of the craziest year ever. And now we've got, with the early signing date, we've got coaches with commits who are vulnerable. Oregon, for instance, with a great recruiting class, lost three immediately after the news Cristobal was leaving. They may end up losing more. You've got to assume that everybody's picking over their recruits, seeing who they can flip, and if they can pick up a really good player or two here or there. And guys on rosters also. And we shouldn't leave out guys on missions. Guys on missions. There's a picture today. Some recruiting guy. What's his name? Blake or Blair? Blair Angelo. I've heard the name. He's a big recruiting guy, right? 24-7 sports. Yep. Yeah, and he's got a picture of this Andrew Gentry, who is a four-star offensive lineman. Correct. Yeah, big kid. And he's in his mission gear, so he's got the tie, the white shirt, and a name tag. And right next to the name tag, he's got a pen, so if he needs to write down the number of a contact, he's got it. Always be prepared. And this young fellow out of Colorado, the Denver area, he has committed to play at Michigan. And he was a commit to play at Virginia, but then Elder Mendenhall quit. And so now he... That would be President Mendenhall, sir. I had a conversation with somebody who uh, is uh, in the biz, so to speak. Very rare that a mission president did not serve a mission. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It, it does happen, I was told. So I, just, I do my homework in all aspects. Not a kid. So maybe, go, PK. Maybe the other thing is the right I know someone who's listening right now who told me this, and he was. Get this. Get this. He's listening right now. He was a high school teammate of mine who was a mission president. See, and I've often said... I go way back with you people. <laughs> <laughs> and we were tight. And so this fellow here decommitted from Virginia. Obviously, they're going to have a coaching change. And now he's committed to Michigan. And the, the young fellow Gentry here is serving a Spanish-speaking mission in the our fair state of Utah. And there's a picture of him, and it looks like Jim Harbaugh, Side by side. I so, have, I've retweeted the photo. If you just go to David G.J. James, you can see what PK's talking about. Harbaugh and Sean Nua, who played at BYU, came out here and recruited this young man while he's on his mission. Now, I didn't serve a mission. I'm 19 years old. I'm thinking about one thing, and it ain't serving the Lord. I'll just leave it at that. So I don't know anything about this when I'm 19. And... I thought it was supposed to be, put all the stuff aside, concentrate on the work. And here's Harbaugh and Nua, one of our own, Sean Nua, coming out and pilfering. One of our own, in our own state. And he's a Latter-day Saint in our own state. (laughs) How many more high notes can you hit? Well, you get me going. I'm flabbergasted. You really aren't. I am. No, you're not. I thought you were supposed to be committed to the work. You know, Harbaugh uh, taking a picture, getting a kid's commitment? I thought you were supposed to pay, pray for investigators, not which school I should go to. Well, Harbaugh's not a member, so technically maybe it was a meeting with an investigator. 
Oh, I'm bringing along Sean Noah so he can speak the lang- lingo. lingo. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, it's so shrewd by uh, Darby. I was going to say. Mean, this, this is somewhat, uh, and all kidding aside, this is somewhat, not that scary is too strong, but... This isn't a trend you like. No, for BYU, Utah, Utah State? No. I mean, it... it, it, it kids from Colorado, so he's not from Utah. So, it's not like he needs to stay in state. But I've, I've been advocating and trumpeting that, you know, whatever you need and whatever you're looking for, if you're a state of, ki- a state of Utah kid and if you're a, an LDS kid from the state of Utah, a lot of them are, but some aren't, that, like Fillinger, you got everything you need right here. But I don't know his connection. But his brother apparently plays as an offensive lineman for BYU. Now, who knows if this kid's going to be anything. Ofa Moatow was just going to, I mean, he was just going to, He. they should have done the blind side on, on him, man. He was blocking guys all the way to uh, Louisiana. Until and, he wasn't. In Texas, right? I mean, yeah. such a big deal at the it time. Was a huge, huge yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. And he was gone. Did he ever even play anywhere? I don't even you know. He went to Texas Tech for like a season. Yeah. And who knows what that story was. I don't know. I'm not criticizing the kid. But the point is, you never know who's going to turn out and who isn't going to turn out. But, man, he blows off BYU twice. This is this is another reason why you need to keep Sataki. Now you say, wait a second. He didn't, Sataki didn't get him. Yeah, I got it. I mean, Michigan and Harbaugh, that's a huge brand name. The big house, 100,000 people. You know, that, and they're not really in the Detroit area. So it's not the same, but they are close enough. But yet, you know, they flourish despite having a pro team, you know, certainly relatively close. But it can be done, certainly. They're not literally in the same community. You got you come out of the airport there and you turn right to go to, to Detroit. It's, not, it's not very far, though. It's not. No, it's, it, not. I mean, it's 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, I've got family there and, and I've made that drive and all that and been to these campuses and been to those communities. Uh, and Michigan's a huge brand name, obviously. But it's a blow to BYU, man. You didn't get this kid twice, and you got your his brother is on the team. That's why I think they need to keep Kalani more than ever. They literally can't afford to. That's the thing that you need to understand. They're thinking, oh, wait, we can't afford to keep him? No. You can't afford not to keep him. That's the way you need to think about it. I mean, all these ding-dongs that we used to work for, oh, we're not making money, so we got to do this and this to your money. And I'd say, no, 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 no. If you're not making a profit now with me, without me, you'll never get it. Your margin of not making a profit is going to grow immensely because DJ and PK are your guys. That's the way I look at it. And it's the same thing here. It's not, you, you, can't, get, you can't say you can't afford Kalani and all the stuff. No. You cannot not afford it because if these guys leave and it wouldn't just be him, it's a major blow because Jim Harbaugh has got Sean New on a staff and they're coming out here during recruiting season and it's not a hop, skip and a jump from Ann Arbor to I don't know where the kid's serving in Utah. I assume if it's Spanish speaking, it's probably in the Wasatch Front area. I don't know that. And, you know, you've only got a few days before recruiting and you come all the way out here and make a personal visit and have to i'd imagine you have to go through some authority to meet with the kid right you gotta talk to his mission president for certain right maybe that was elder mendenhall (laughs) 
And Elder Mendenhall said, son, anywhere but BYU. Because he always had an axe to grind against BYU. Don't you kid yourself. Don't you kid yourself, David James. Don't no, I'm you kid not yourself. kidding myself. 99 wins later. Your free association right now is outstanding. <laughs> we were talking earlier about it's how I could, just, I could just track Christian Cox. But you're ding, 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 ding. <laughs> just pinging all over the map. And Yach just recre- retreated something from Jeff Hansen. I don't know who Jeff Hansen is, but I'm sure he's a great dude. Jeff works here locally, covers recruiting for BYU. Okay. He's a good friend. I'm imagining the outrage if Kalani or Whittingham ever posted a picture of them meeting with a current missionary who is actively serving. And oh boy, Twitter would be on fire! Any uh, uppercase is F-I-R-E. It I, would be. I got to agree with that. Absolutely. And Jeff Hansen, you've got the, the number one sportscaster in our community for 14 years running on your side, Jeff. David James agrees with you. So you know you're in the right because David James Nickeldorf III agrees with Jeff Hansen, who covers recruiting for BYU. You've told me I'm wrong many times. But not now. <laughs> but you can't say because I agree you know you're right. What are you talking about? Because you've told me I'm wrong multiple times. I could agree with you, and then you'd both be wrong. But not this time. Okay. So you agree with us. I hadn't thought about it. Until Jeff uh, I think, I think posted Twitter, it and Yacht retweeted it. I think Twitter would absolutely go berserk. Once upon a time, before social media, the watchdog gathered all the college football coaches for a roundtable. I was there. And this topic came up about contacting athletes. It was Mendenhall, Brent Guy, and Kyle. Oh, I thought Mac was there too. Was he not? Was Mac at Weber State then? Mac was at Weber State. And I think he was in the room. I could be wrong because I wasn't in the room, but I, I thought was. I remember that from the story. I was in the room. It was okay. right across the street here at the, so, the, the gateway. And so that that came up, and I thought it was very contentious. I think you're right. What level of and contact? I was rolling around in the mud. What, <laughs> like, sweet, there was so much happy talk. Now nah, we got some contention. Michael Anastasi was a sports editor. He was a big thinking dude, and I think he thought of it, pulled it off, because yeah. it, it was in the summer. And we got them all together. And I was across the street, and I was knee-deep in all that, and that stuff. And that came up, and I don't think everybody's on the same page you as far as— You are absolutely right. What yes. le- and it's Good not call. just Good a call. contact or no contact. It's a what level of contact. Like, you could write a guy, but you shouldn't go meet with him. I'd have to go back and read the story to get everybody's position. I you're mean, right. This, we're going no, back you're 15 right. you're years. You're right. I think it was the, because they were all in Brant first-year coaches. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, that's what it was. So it was 05. That was the that was the peg. Okay, is that they were all first all year, first year coaches. Yeah. Let's get all the first year coaches together. What have you learned? What do you think? Where are you going? Because you're yeah. obviously still building. Yeah, so you that, can see all the natural right story. That lines. was the that was the story peg. Right, brilliant idea by Anastasi. And then you hit on this as a topic, and it really gets yeah gets stuff flowing. I know I was in that room. I don't remember who else was in that room. Michael must have been in the room because it was his idea, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we did it. And you were probably there because you were one of the beat writers. I was, I think yeah. the other beat so, writers would have been there. Uh, the, my guess, Joe Baird was there Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I think Twitter would absolutely, absolutely go nuts. But what you've got here is the kid isn't local. He's, he's a Colorado high school product. Exactly. And Michigan. Columbine of all places. And Michigan isn't local. And he was committed to Virginia. I mean, Broncos got a local tie, but it's not local. So it's not really in our wheelhouse here. Except the kid had a brother has a brother on BYU's team. But if you put a local school into the mix here, 
then you would introduce the rivalry, and we know the rivalry is in all things, and to be often. Oh, well, how it about this? You're, you're, now that you say it, I I can't argue with you because I agree with you 100. percent If there would have been a picture this morning of Kyle Whittingham with this young fella in his missionary attire, and we all know what that is, and they're smiling because he just committed. Oh, BYU people wouldn't be going berserko. We'd have shows for weeks. Yeah. And if Kalani had done it, Ute fans would be calling Cougar fans hypocrites. But it's a Michigan coach. The kid decommitted for Virginia, and he's from Colorado. So we don't have the same level of emotion. Who's got contact here with general authorities? I don't. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. I have a loose connection, so I'll see what I can do. Yeah, a <laughs> loose connection. We need to get a you statement. You know a guy who knows a guy? Yeah, you guys know who the guy I know is, so. We need to get a statement. So, yeah, we, we need to get a statement. Is, is this acceptable? Because it blows the doors off what I thought all these years. But I'm a heathen. What? You know what? You know exactly what. You know what you're doing. And so does about 15% of our audience. No, go, it's 10. Ah, nice. <laughs> so, I didn't know this was acceptable. Jim Harbaugh coming out and stealing one of our boys. I'll never forget this day. 41 years ago, I never forgot this day. The greatest single musician of all time was shot dead. And now this, 41 years later, December 8th, just does not ring well with me. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, everything you missed in this show, we'll get to it next. Christian Cox joined us. Uh, Bolo joined us. The Jazz are playing Minnesota tonight. We will get you uh, caught up on that coming up in the next segment as well. And we got in-state college hoops tonight. Two in-state games tonight. So we'll get to all of that next. Right now, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, the question is always here. We, we're, we're given just we're going to pull back the curtain here a little bit, okay, Andrew? We always have a list of, of questions when we're talking to sponsors, and one of them is always why are men so hesitant to get their ED taken care of? If they weren't, Andrew, I don't know that you'd be doing this. Yeah, but guys <laughs> are hesitant, and people can say, "Oh, they're not hesitant." Yes, they are. Yeah. They say, in fact, I think it's worse than we think. 70% of men with erectile dysfunction do not seek treatment. That's pretty high. Uh, I assume the relationship is what's suffering. Men are just naturally a little bit embarrassed, and we're trying to break that down because uh, there is relief. Two to three weeks from now, your ED could be gone with our technology. That's a pretty short window. So what are the results you're hearing from patients? Well, once patients have taken the treatment with the acoustic wave therapy, the big relief is I don't have to take the pill anymore. This technology is clinically proven to open up and regrow blood vessels. So it's really all about the blood flow, uh, circulation. They tell us how the spontaneity has come back. They've drawn closer to their significant other. I believe personally that when we get the ED corrected, it has this far-reaching ripple effect on life, overall happiness and sense of well-being. You've got a special offer for our listeners, a discount if they get a hold of you right now. Yes. Call us now if you're ready to improve performance in the bedroom. Put a stop to the ED. You could be back on track before Christmas. Uh, The exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound is free with our medical doctor. The gift that you'll love, it produces uh, immediate results to intimacy. That's great. 
And here's a pretty cool value, blood work and testosterone. If you feel like you have a need, that is free today as well. Guys, you can call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call now. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 Hotline. What are your thoughts on a Utah-Ohio State matchup? A lot of people think Ohio State is going to not have a huge sense of urgency because, you know, it's playoff or bust for them. But I happen to think Ohio State's going to bring their A game, and it will be interesting. I mean, it's a different level of talent and athleticism than Utah's used to see. Even compared to Oregon, right? I know Oregon won the head-to-head, but, you know, Ohio State's a way better team now than it was then. Utah will have to take a page out of Michigan's playbook and just try to pound the ball, right? Rising field 15, 20 times, and then just run the ball as often as they can and see if that works. If it does work, I think Utah has a good chance to win. If Utah can't run the ball, then we're talking about big problems. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Come on, dude. As you're trying to find your read, listen to this tune. I am, and I'm thinking that you telling me earlier you didn't like the... The soft mellow stuff. You wanted some upbeat Christmas music, and I was thinking, well, this isn't upbeat. This but is this is an mellow. original tune. Well, I'm I talking about the classics. Come on, ooh, who doesn't? You Come singing on. isn't going to help me like this song. <laughs> I'm going to convert you. As much as you've been trying to convert me for 20 years, I'm going to try to convert you to this form of music. Well, the race is on. <laughs> me and <Yuck>. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Nice pull. <laughs> Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. <laughs> Slacker headlines, we got college hoops tonight. You got, you got a lot of hoops, PK. We got three games overlapping here. Before we go to the streaming, which is where the Utes are, they are not on TV. There is well, I'm not going to be streaming that. It's the yeah. Jazz and the, uh, the Utes and or the uh, Aggies. The Jazz the, tip uh, off at 6 BYU. o'clock tonight against Minnesota. Yeah. The uh, Aggies and the Cougars tip off at 7 o'clock at the Marriott Center on BYU TV. And Weber State and Washington State, 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Weber State is a perfect 8-0. and Washington State's decent this year. They're 6-2. and two. Yeah, they're decent. They've got the former San Francisco coach up there. Yeah, they got it. They got it going on. They might have finally gotten that thing right. Uh, so um, yeah, those three games for sure. Big game for Weber State if they could uh, win it. I don't think you're going to uh, get to the point you can get an at-large bit yeah, out of that yeah, league yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah that's but what I I'm still saying. think how you feel about yourself and what it says about how good you are. Well, I think if you go there and play well, even if you lose, you could still feel good. But Weber State's check back in March. There's uh, The Pac-12 has got three really good teams at the top in USC, UCLA, and Arizona. Uh, we had identified early on that Cal might not be that good and Washington might not be that good as they lost some non-league games right out of the gate. But man, is anybody taking on water as fast as Oregon State? We yeah, might I mean, have they, the 12th place team. I mean, they're, they're the daughters of uh, Tinkle last year were driving me nuts as they made their spectacular run. Now I want to see them when they're getting the butts. I want the f- the camera focused <laughs> on them. They've lost like thirteen in a row. Look at all set. They've lost. Uh, they're one and eight. They won their opener and now they've lost eight, eight in, in a row. row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd put Colorado in there as potential NCAA team too. Well, that's what I was going to get to. The middle of the league, um, Utah, 
Washington State, Colorado, um, and ASU got off to a bad start. I don't really want to put them in there. Oregon. Um, Oregon, or, or any of lost these to ASU at home. I, I know after ASU scored four points, so, in the entire game. So with Altman, can he get it together? Because they're five and four and zero and one. So it's I not a good not. start. I, I know, but it's <laughs> Oregon, and Altman's been doing it a while, so it's not impossible. So I, I've got these teams. I don't know. I think there's some teams you can look at and they're like, well, you're just not very good. I think right now there's five teams that I would consider NCA worthy. USC, UCLA, Arizona, and then you said Colorado, and who else do you have faith in? I guess that's only four then. That is four. But I know maybe you had faith in Wazoo. And I mean, there are these teams that... I got to see more. They aren't defined yet. Right. That we do need to see more of. But I didn't know if you had a gut instinct. Or if a coach had told you, hey, this team's going to get it together. No. I've just I've watched Washington State play a couple of times. I mean, that's essentially why I've got two cable systems and play out, pay out the Wazoo to watch Wazoo. <laughs> on the Pac-12 network, uh, so I uh, I've seen them play a few times, and they they look to be decent. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, there's there's some other teams that yeah I, I get what you're saying about Oregon. You can't bury them yet. I'm willing to bury three or four teams. Well, what about I mean Hurley's had good teams. You want to bury the Devils at three and six? That's a lot of red flags. I've got the shovel out. Yeah. Because they overhauled the roster, and they're got like nine transfers, and they're not, you know, the big time transfers or big time freshmen. I just don't think the way Hurley is going around his program, I don't think it's a winning formula. Oregon State, Cal, and Washington buried, buried, and buried, and you got three really good. Now you got six teams. Like, well, let's see what you can do. I don't expect that much out of any of the six, but I do expect one or two of them to take off. I can't tell you which ones. You're saying Colorado will, which they've had some good teams. That wouldn't be a shock. Well, they usually have an NCAA yeah. tournament team. They're six and three and one and one right now. So we'll see where they. And goes. it's such a funky schedule. Now they played each of them play two games, and they don't play league games yeah. now for another three weeks. You got finals and Christmas break, and coaches don't want to play league games then. Where you go with the league games, once you get past 18, it starts getting pretty tricky. But I'm real intrigued on BYU and Utah State. How's that going to play out? Aggie 6-2, and two, BYU 7-1, and one, and BYU uh, getting a little thin there with the big guys. Yeah, I mean, their two big guys are done, and now they've got uh, young, undersized freshmen who've got to fill the void. And plus, they, I thought they were going to take some time, too, because uh, Pope mines the transfer portal big time himself, and I just don't think you could throw guys together. And then you look at Utah State, I think Justin Bean Bryan is the best player in the state. He's crushing it. Yeah. He is just crushing it. And there was a, uh, last year, I was at the gym, and he did a podcast with Doug Gottlieb, mm-hmm. and he was, dry, he was on the, they were on the bus, and he was uh, riding down the conference tournament from uh, Logan to Vegas. And so he's, they're recording this podcast with Gottlieb. I think he served in Reno. And Gottlieb grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, Glendora, San Dimas area. Mm-hmm. And so he's got LDS guys that he knows all about. And I think he's a Jewish kid, but he can speak the lingo because of the connection. He's got all this background. Yeah, and, he, and, and, he, right. and he, he, he talked about how he'd been in churches shooting hoop, played there many times with his friends. So he was able to talk mission talk. Mm-hmm. And... Bean is just a phenomenal story, and to see, we love these types of stories of you know how how it went about. And who was the other? Uh, uh, was it Durier? 
uh, I think that's who the, the guy was who recruited him, right? The the coach before Craig Smith, mm-hmm. and you know, basically a walk on and, and all this stuff and and how he got there and it was a great great story and it was it was a fun time to do it because he's just sitting on a bus. Then you know he's got a long drive, and Gottlieb knows his stuff, particularly in college hoop, and knows his LDS stuff. So he's able to throw in all that, and it's just a great, great story. And he's developed himself into a phenomenal player. And then you take a kid like I knew Jack about this Horvath kid because he played on the other side of the country. He's a player. I mean, Oklahoma did Oklahoma win last night? Check that because they went in that game seven and one, which would put them to eight and one. I didn't finish. I didn't follow it all the way through. I flicked over to the Laker uh, Celtic game, and I watched a little bit of the Oklahoma game early. Uh, and Oklahoma seven and two. Okay, they lost. Shoot, I was hoping for them to win because that Butler be, won sixty six sixty two. Yeah, yeah. Over, overtime game. Oh, I should have flicked back. Dang it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> if I would have known, I would have flicked back. But I watched the beginning of that because uh, I was just bouncing around uh, college. Uh, who was it? Syracuse. Who was Syracuse playing? Help me out. Syracuse. Who'd they play last night? I watched that uh, game, and they got the two Bayheims, and they got this little kid named uh, Gerard. Nova. They played Villanova. Yeah. Did they win? 67-53 loss. Yeah, and that was a decent game early. And they got uh, Syracuse has this kid named Gerard, and it's Gerard the third. I was like, is it Joe Gerard's son? But it's not. But anyway, he said all they were talking about how he set all these records in the state of New York scoring, and he went to the same area as Jimmer. He went to Glens yeah. Falls. Yeah, I think. yeah, it's the same city. Yeah, he, you I, actually recruited this kid that, due to that connection. That caught my eye, and so then I looked it up. So I, and then I settled. I should have gone back to the college. I would have loved to seen that overtime because then I settled on. Uh, LeBron and the Lakers Celtics. And Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't do it for me. Yeah, it was something. That's what I, was, I wish the uh, yeah, Utah you know, State you'd gone back to the, yeah. was to last well, oh, night. Oh, I know. Instead of yeah. this three games at once yeah. stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was desperate for something to keep my interest. And so I'm not really into those college games a lot, especially now when we get into league season. It's another story. So I did settle on and I watched most of the Celtic Laker game more from the Laker perspective rather than the Celtics because as you talked about I think earlier today or yesterday I think it was uh, this morning you're talking about the Celtics were good a couple years back now they just and it looked like they were trending up it looked like they had something going and both teams after that Laker Celtic game are 13 and 12 after the Lakers won and the East East is better than the West it's been a long time since we said that Mm, are they really 13 and 12 right now has the Clippers and the Lakers tied for fifth and sixth in the yeah, West. But those are misleading records for those teams because LeBron's been in and out of the lineup and he had he was he was like six or se- six for seven early in the first uh, quarter or first half. Well, if if they can get healthy and, and, then and the play better and win Clippers. more and play better and win more, then they'll have better records. Clippers but. have a superstar over there, and so does Denver. Cle- Maybe not a superstar, but they've had injuries. Cleveland, Atlanta, and Boston are all 13-12, and 12, and that's 8-9-10 in the East as opposed to the same record getting you 5 or 6 in the West. Yeah, but who's going to be more dangerous soon? And then when you get right to the end, are the two best teams in the West? Are the three best teams in the West? Right now, the Jazz, the Nets, and the Bulls are just all percentage points apart. Kyrie's going to sit out the entire season? And will it help when he comes back, or will he be disruptive? I would guess he's not going to sit out the entire season, but I'll tell you right now, I'm already surprised he's been out this long. I would agree with that. I don't think he'll be disruptive if he comes back, because I think Harden and Durant are such strong personalities. 
that they can get him in line. And at some point, you're if you come back and you're disruptive, you just you, hurt your bottom yeah. line. And somebody's got to get to the guy and say, hey, listen, man, it's about winning. Well, he's already given up a quarter of the uh, season, a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's at the 25-game mark or approaching it real quick. 24 for the Nets. 25 will be the next game. Jazz and the Wolves tonight. The Wolves had won 7 of 8. They were playing really well. People were starting to write nice things about them, and then they went out and lost three straight games. So we'll see what they do tonight against the Jazz. They've been, they went to Washington and lost. They went to Brooklyn and lost. They came home and lost to Atlanta. Why do I think of Sonny and sure, I got you, babe, when I think of the Minnesota Timberwolves? Why? Because it's Groundhog Day, and at 6 o'clock, the alarm goes off, and Sonny and Cher are singing, I got you, babe, and Bill Murray's rolling out of the sack, and Minnesota's like the same thing every year, isn't it? Well, they don't usually, usually I think they just go straight to sucking. I don't know that they have these. No, it was a few years back, they were a team on the come. Well, now, now they, Edwards yeah. is a nice pick. Towns is a good player. Russell's a decent player. They're 11 and 13, two games under which 500. Is a, which is not awful. Ninth in the West. It's also not great. Right. Considering, this, how, but it's long, the same considering thing. how long Towns has been in the league. Over and over yeah. and over again with these guys. Ninth is a little better. There's been a whole lot that, of. That's a playoff and 14. right there. It's a play in game, yeah. Playoff, play in. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. And any singular game, they've got players to be dangerous. Oh, absolutely. Went 3-0 and against the Jazz last year. I did not remember that. I didn't either. I just read it. Oh. Or I would not have been able to tell you that. So the Jazz have certainly had their problems with Minnesota. And to your point about the West is better, but injuries are dragging it down right now. Another injury in Portland, C.J. McCollum, diagnosed with a collapsed right lung. He was injured late in the Boston game on Saturday. The team says he is out indefinitely. I saw a thing on uh, yesterday. Somebody put that the uh, Pacers are looking to rebuild. So if you want Sabonis, who's a decent big man, and Levert, that they're available I think that's what Portland ought to do. You're just going nowhere year after year after year. You're a decent team, but your ceiling is right in front of you, right above you, and it's not going to change. And Lillard is a great Hall of Fame player. Everybody would agree with that. Spectacular player. But, you know, he's a shorter dude, and he's just not going anywhere. Start over, I guess. You know, you did it with the coach. You got rid of a veteran for a rookie. That's not going to do. That's not going to go well. Starts for Billups, <laughs> yeah, right? Unless you got amazing talent like Steve Lillard's, Kerr. Lillard's missed some games. Now McCollum's going to miss a bunch of games. But the thing is, with the change in their front office, because they just let their president go, and so I, I've been reading stuff that a lot of people they're interviewing because Lillard is apparently coming up where he's eligible for a two-year extension, and it's mega money, and it'll be when he's into his mid-30s. Yeah, 37 years old. so apparently they're asking the candidates, what do you think about this? And it it hasn't been unanimous. The candidates, what do you mean? The the potential, whoever they're looking to come in and and run, because the whole front office is... Oh, oh, the GM's talking about. Right. Okay, gotcha. So what are they going to do here? And apparently most, if not all, but at least most, are like, yeah, don't do that extension. You can't do that. Everybody in Portland's got the emotional tie-in. 
Lillard is very likable. He's been a great representative for the club and the community. The community loves him. But the people coming in from the outside, they don't have any of the emotional ties, any of the buy-in, any of the feel-good stuff. They're just looking at it like shorter guy, mid-30s, enormous pile of money. No NBA Finals, one conference final so far. you got to start over. Yeah. And you're probably not going to get equal value for the guy, but no, oh well. You know, you got to admire what Lindsey undertook several years ago. And I know Lindsey catches a lot of heat these days. Mm-hmm. But look but, where they've been. But tearing up the team and yeah. pulling apart a team that had gone 36-30 and 30 and a team that had been battling for the 8-9 spot with a winning record, that was the right decision. And they had to let Millsap go, and that hurt. Right. But look how quickly they rebuilt. That team had a ceiling on it. That team was not going to get a lot Seemed better. long at the time, but now they've been competitive for a number of years, and they've hit on great draft picks with the two All-Stars. And yeah, they, they should... Every time I look at Memphis and I see Bain going off, I'm thinking, oh, crap. He could have been here. But, hey, I also look at the guys that are here that could have been elsewhere. No, you can't do that. You only look at it one way. <laughs> well, yeah. Like if that ref just would have made that call <laughs> in the third quarter, you know, everything would have gone the same. What so, about the call in the second quarter? I mean, you have to look at the entirety of the work. And wasn't, at least for me, and I know there's other issues and whatnot, but at least for me, it's pretty good. DJ and PK, coming up next, your feedback. And there have been some very funny responses to the uh, picture of Jim Harbaugh visiting with the missionary, who's a very talented football player. We will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is Unrivaled. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's time for your feedback. Everything you think about this show. Well, <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh's photo with Andrew Gentry, the former four-star prospect from Colorado who signed with Virginia, but he's on his mission. And Bronco retires, and so now he's open to going somewhere, and Harbaugh takes a photo with him. And he was supposed to go to Argentina, but due to COVID, he was reassigned to a Salt Lake Spanish mission, according to 24-7 Sports. Oh, really? Yeah. He was supposed to go to Argentina. I did not know that. Yeah. So there's this photo of Harbaugh with him, and uh, Wild Turkey Fart Blunt says... <laughs> what kind of name is that? I don't know. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has done a lot of out-of-the-box things to land a recruit. Never thought getting baptized would be one of them. Hey, whatever it takes. He did spend a night on a bunk bed with well, a let, kicker. Let me just say, there's a lot of people who've gotten baptized for another reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
By the look of that pick, Greg says, I'm pretty sure Harbaugh agreed to the first two meetings to learn more from Gentry and his companion. <laughs> I doubt that has anything to do with it. But I don't have any problem with it. Haven't they? They've loosened up the rules a lot now, right? It used to just be Christmas and Thanksgiving. You could talk to your mother or something. Mother's Day, was it? And now, Mother's Day and Christmas. That's the two times I called home. Yeah. Were they home? Yes, they were. Because oh, like, that'd be a bummer if you called home and they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been rough. Hello, Mom and Dad. Quick. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Siberia. We're not available. Leave a message after the tone. <laughs> and they well, just happen to be at a movie or my something. Younger, my younger brother now speaks with my mother weekly. Yeah, so they've changed all that. So uh, the kid's got a, he's got a life ahead of him, and now's the time. Because I, I guess he would be, is he going next year? Apparently, he's supposed to be back this coming spring. Yeah, because so. that would really, really alarm me if he was just like barely starting. Yeah, he was part of the 2020 class, so. Yeah, because if Michigan has taken guys who are just going to serve a mission, then everything is open. If Michigan, because Michigan doesn't need to do that. I get why they would go on it for a kid now, because for them, this is like a kid who's a high school senior. He's going to be in the program next year. Now, with Nua there, uh, who played at BYU, I don't know if Nua went on a mission, I don't remember, but. He wasn't a member when he first got to BYU. Oh, I didn't know that. He's a but, but whether he's a member or not, he still knows yes. the uh, whole he's, idea. He's since joined the church. So they, you know, he'll know, uh, hey, let's get with the trainer here. And when he comes back, Harbaugh's got to figure out, well, the kid ain't working out six days a week. So even though he's a freshman next year, he may not be ready like some freshmen would be. But uh, Harbaugh's smart enough to figure. And plus, smart, Harbaugh coached on the West Coast. And, and, and Mortensen. He had Mortensen as his quarterback at uh, – yeah. At San Diego. At San Diego. So he's got an idea of how this thing is. The, the reality is, the whatever mystery it might be with LDS kids, that's gone. More people weighing in. Justin says, investigator conversation over lunch at Tacanos. Don't eat at Tacanos, man. That's BYU. They, they do the meal at BYU. They've been doing it for years. No, no. There's some lines... That's like hitting on your best friend's wife or yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, you can't do that. that no, no, no. There's, Li- a, there's a lot of seafood in the sea. Don't do that. Life Elevated says, this must be the new Light the World campaign. Jason says, oh, Harbaugh's going as a 40-year-old virgin. You got to see the photo. Straight out of the movie. What, the chest hair being pulled out? <laughs> okay, there's one detail. That's wrong. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Steve Steve Carell. Carell? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's made a living. Blake Anderson, Kalani Sataki, Kyle Whittingham, three of the 13 finalists for the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award, ranked the Utah guys from one to three, and Mama Haas says, well, that exact order. Blake one, Kalani two, Kyle three. I'm surprised Mama Halls didn't say, like, Kyle 14. <laughs> Although, but she's got the hots for him. That's Lisa, isn't it? Mama Haas is Lisa, yeah. And she's, she's, she must be going with Blake over the um, most wins over the uh, preseason predictions. Biggest shocker. Okay, if you go we that way, yeah. We didn't have anybody at 10 wins, but we had BYU and Utah a whole lot closer. Well, I had Utah 9-3, and three, BYU 8-4, and, four, four. and the Ags 5-7. and seven. And I felt like the 5-7 and seven might have been a little bit with my heart. A little optimistic. Although they had four pretty winnable games, but after that I wasn't sure where they were coming from. And you don't know. CSU ended up being way down. I didn't know they were going to be that bad. 
Well, I, did, I had no clue what Bonner yeah. was going to do. And some of the other guys that they brought in, Rice and he so He was going to throw for 300 yards in the, in the uh, conference title game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's classic. The guy gets beat to shreds, throws for 300 yards. Unfiltered Rhino says, Witt 1, Anderson 2, Sataki 3. Witt overcame so much and got to the Rose Bowl. Anderson picked last and smoked the whole conference. Sataki, great job, nice run, and that was a good schedule. It was. That's why they're all nominated. Plenty of positives to say about all of them. My guess, even though I wouldn't necessarily rank him number one, my guess the best chance to win it is Kyle. Power Five League? Rose Bowl, Oregon. Destroying Oregon twice, brand name. I think it's the most visible of the programs. Greg says, you think Sonny and Cher, when you talk about the T-Wolves, I think Paul Simon. A hot rod Hunley duet. Still pesky after all these years. I think that's still crazy. That's the song, and Hot Rod always called them the pesky Timberwolves. Oh, we did? Yeah. I did not know that. At two syllables, so it kind of works. You can just sub one word in for the other. As long as it's a two-syllable word. It is. So you're all set up. Expialidocious califrasis, you can't do that. No. That'd be too long. Very Uh, cumbersome. We have to go now. Jake and Ben are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.